Hey everybody, it's Lisa Lampanelli, the Queen of Maine, and you know what? I got my own podcast. Yeah, does everyone have one? Pretty much, but mine's different because I'm going to help you like I help myself. Get Stuffed with Lisa Lampanelli every week is going to teach you how to have the fabulous life that I have. If you don't listen, you're just stupid and don't want to help yourself. So don't even listen. I don't even want you to. But if you do, if you disobey my orders and listen, you can go to feralaudio.com or download it from iTunes. But again, don't listen. I don't even care. Today's episode is brought to you by Last Rampage, the new true crime film starring Robert Patrick, Heather Graham, and Bruce Davison. And we had the pleasure of speaking to someone involved with the movie. My name is Robert Patrick. I play Gary Tyson. That's Gary Tyson with an I in the film Last Rampage. Evil broke loose in 1978. Arizona State Penitentiary. You know, that was interesting. What, what, what it was like playing a real person as opposed to a, a fictional character. It was really trying to wrap your head around how this guy could do some of the things that he could do. That was the the things that you were drawn on. Of course, I, I, there was no way you're going to try to do an impersonation of a guy, nor was I going to try to, you know, get as heavy as the guy. Uh, I didn't have enough time to really go that route. But I, I, you know, I found him really, really interested in trying to live up to the charisma that he had. I fell in love with the folklore of the story, like there, you know, the the whole idea that he was a guy that was raised uh, during the Great Depression. See that, from a historical point of view, those kind of stories resonate with me. That yearning for something better, trying to find it, have to steal to get it. How do you deal with that if you're a religious person? You know, how do you run underneath that? How do you justify it? He had a double life sentence that he began to push his wife and his kids to say, God, you know, I'm going to serve one term, and when I die, I'm going to serve another term in hell. Uh, I got to get out of this. And, and the, the, the link that he was willing to uh, uh, go to to get his kids to help him get through this and get him out of prison was, it was fascinating to me. Don't miss Last Rampage, the true story of the prison break of Gary Tyson. In theaters September 22nd and available for on-demand pre-order August 22nd. Find out more on Twitter by following at Last Rampage Film or on Facebook.com slash Last Rampage Film. Welcome to another X-Files Files. I'm your host, Kamel Nanjiani. Uh, this episode, we're t- talking about um, Clyde Bruckman's Final Repose and DPO. Not in that order, in the opposite order. And so first we talk about DPO, then we talk about Clyde Bruckman. The guest is Steve Asbell. And then after that, I have a short interview with Jack Black about his experiences working on DPO. So stay for that till the end. Um, and next week, uh, I'm just going to have a 
close to two-hour conversation with Darren Morgan, and it's a really, really great episode. I was going to, you know, cut it up and release it piecemeal, but it was such a great, he was so great that I don't want to cut it up. So next week, no specific episode, but we talk about Clyde Bruckman and we talk about Humbug with Darren Morgan, the writer of those episodes. He was awesome. Um, uh, Subscribe to us on iTunes. That's a good way to get our rankings up. And um, at X-Files Files, uh, at Kumail N for me, uh, the subreddit is slash X-Files Files. A lot of great conversations going on over there. Uh, email me at thexfilesfiles at gmail.com. Thexfilesfiles at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Hey, so welcome back to the show, Steve Aswell. Thank you. Hey, thanks for uh, coming back. You were like one of our most like requested returns. Really? Yeah. Wow. Well, it was interesting because everyone really, really loved you. I don't know if you went on the Reddit or whatever, but and people were kind of like expecting because there's this like, you know, people always are like, man, the studio execs or like the. But it it was really cool to hear you obviously be so smart and so passionate about the show, and I think people, a lot, everyone's reaction was like, "Oh, I I didn't know what to expect from this guy." But well, that's he was really, really great. very nice to hear. I it, it's a lot of pressure. I've heard every episode of the show, and everybody has been. You've had the most amazing guests on, as I was saying to you the other day about Emily. Like I thought your humbug, the episode yeah. you guys did together was incredible and oh you know, thank you it, 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 matt mira and all these guys and ria who i think are, are yeah we're, it's, Rhea's it's weird back for soon. me to be uh, like on it and because i every week like everybody else i just no, listen to it and they're so funny and they're so astute and intelligent and it's like and everybody knows each other it's just cool yeah it's really just yeah it's tough and with like so these two episodes with clyde bruckman it was really like i was i thought a lot about who to have and i wanted it to be someone who because a lot of my friends are very funny, and then a lot of them are very intellectual. But I wanted someone who could be able to talk about it in a way that was intellectual. And also, I mean, Clyde Bruckman, it's, it's just so much to it. It's just, it's, it's I was really scared. But let's before that, let's not jump ahead of ourselves. Let's talk the about... The Appetizer, DPO. DPO, which, it, and it comes after, so you watched like Anasazi and Paperclip yeah. and Blessing Way and those. Yeah. So it's such, to me... You know, I, I read like some stuff about it, and back then people were a little disappointed with it because it comes after this huge three-parter. I really liked it, like as a palate cleanser. Yeah. It was like, all right, and this is what the show can be a lot of times, which is just like some weirdo with magical powers, you know? And it was good that they, from the perspective of the show, just jumped right, right back into it. Yeah. After both the last two episodes of two and then the two episodes of three that – it reminded the audience that it is still going to be a sort of procedural show and there are going to be, m- m- you know, Monster of the Week episodes yeah. or, or just standalone episodes in between all the mythology. And I like that they did reference, you know, for continuity's sake, she says in the episode, you know, after what we've just seen and what we've been through, <laughs> right. please don't tell me there's any government conspiracies yeah, exactly. or aliens. And he's sort of joking about it. Yeah. And I think... I, I can't. This is one of those episodes that I, unlike Clyde Bruckman's, which I remember exactly where I was and sort of mind blown when I saw it. I, ironically, this was probably the week before, and I didn't, I didn't really remember yeah. it as well. But I, I think it was a strong move for them to basically just say the show. We're not losing the thread of what the show 
not the thread because that's like mythology related, but we're not losing the soul of the show. Yeah, in how it balances those two things. Yeah, and it's good because you've had this is a, you've had the first three parter, and there is maybe a sense people are like, oh, this is what the show is now. It's zeroed in on this alien mythology thing, and they really go the furthest away you can, which is like there's no government conspiracy, yeah. there's no, there's just a weirdo with superpowers, and it's Giovanni Ribisi and Jack yeah. Black. It's it's notable, I think, for two 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 big things in this episode make it make it kind of classic. Well, not classic, but make it at least notable. One is that uh, the 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 arrival of uh, two babyface movie stars of the yeah. future in Giovanni and Jack, and the other is uh, the biggest asshole local cop in the history uh, of the show. What an because asshole! I, but I I like sort of watched it again so, because I was just like, does this guy ever let up? But you know, usually in the show, there's a there's a tradition of the sort of local kind of law enforcement who's like either kind of helpful or kind of of a doofus or, or doesn't yeah. want them there this guy's a dick from like jump street and yeah he never lets up yeah he's like he uh dies, you didn't do your homework yeah. and then when he leaves she's like feel free to jump in anytime yeah. to Mulder, and he's like why you were doing just fine it's great i thought that was great because it was a little of Mulder, like you know what you handle this it's a little shitty and weird it's like friends razzing each other a little bit but I think it, it, it's a curious episode. I liked it as well. I, I, I think it's curious, though, in a way that I really want to, I'd love actually to read the script because um, Howard uh, is, I think, one of the best writers in the show. I think he's a, he's really, really talented. And and yet I, I watched the episode and there's so many things that sort of feel at odds with one another. Like, it, you know, first of all, so are arcades a thing still in 95? Well, um I think they are a little bit because now video game consoles are getting better. So it's yeah. like towards the tail end of it. What I did want to say about that is that wh when they're in there, the predominant music you always hear is the Sonic, the Hedgehog mm -hmm. music. Mm -hmm. And good, don't good, think... Good looking out. Well, you can even hear him getting the rings. And I don't think there was a Sonic arcade game that had that music. So somehow they were able Ooh, to clear that music. That's and they're very playing, interesting. Because they played Virtua Fighter. They're though, playing Virtua was, Fighter, which yeah. Which was 93. It was a little bit before that. Because it was before the sort of GameWorks, Dave & Buster's sort of like arcades went out and then these they other back sort of family like, yeah. entertainment places started popping up yeah. that had like classic games and the like last vestiges of the 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 sort of Star Wars arcade game like the the the, the later one not the yeah. original one where it was like no 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 we can make these bigger like i think after afterburner and some of those like Turbo, like uh -huh. those big sort of, you had to sit in it and ride it games. Yeah. It was sort of the beginning of the end. Yeah, arcades. and they like I think you pointed out they've sort of went like corporate yeah. and a little like like the bad guy in Wayne's World. Yes, they yes. sort of went that way. <laughs> Noah's Arcade, right? That's exactly um, right. But what I did like that this captures about the arcade scene was like there were always like kind of scumbaggy weirdos hanging yeah. out there. Zero. Yeah, Zero. That's his name. <laughs> so when, when Scully says his name first, she asks him a question, she just says Zero. It was It's like the right amount of like derision and yeah. like a little, like it wants to hide it but can't quite. It's amazing how good both of them have gotten. Like I've seen them get so much more subtle and the performances have gotten so much more layered since, uh, you know, yeah. season well, I one. I think they know, it feels like they know they're very much in touch with the tone of whatever's happening in that particular episode. Yeah. And they can play it differently every time. That's like, so impressive. They know exactly where if it's like Blessing Way or on a side, like, oh my God, it's a serious one. Yeah. And this is, you know, this is really the mythology type thing or they don't know, meaning that they don't know they're in a mythology episode. I right. I just mean that they're, 
the, the monster of the week ones, to, and even even Clyde Bruckman's in a totally different way. Um, they're just sort of having a little more fun with it. Yeah, and Clyde Bruckman is really interesting because they are different in that they're like sort of not even the lead of yes, that episode. That we can. T- we'll, we'll, we'll save it. We'll, we'll, we'll save it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think this whole discussion yeah, of DPL DPO, is sorry, just going to be like, okay, okay, we'll, we'll get to Clyde Bruckman in a second. Um, I thought that that first scene, the one thing that I, when you said certain things that are at odds with each other, what were you going to say? Well, I just mean that there's a sort of, um, it, it, in the plotting of these shows, I think there are just things where, um, for example, the, <laughs> this was sort of my biggest one, where it's a it's a case where people have been killed by a series of lightning strikes, and and in that great scene with the cop, and he's sort of talking about the sign, you know, do you even know how lightning works? And yeah, she's like, what an kind asshole. Of. And he's like, I know, because I have breakfast with those scientists every day. And I'm like, wait, what? And then That's he goes on all, to say yeah. that there's a there's a facility, that there there's a there's an observatory that makes lightning. Yeah, why do they right? do that? But they never actually go to this place. No, and it and doesn't I'm, tie in in any way at all. And so I was like, wait a minute, you 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 set up that there's a that would sort of explain why there's probably more than one lightning strike. That yeah, kills people. But they don't. It's right down the road on they don't, Route Four, and they don't go. They don't go at all. That's interesting. And the other thing that I thought was um, Jack Black Zero's perspective on the whole thing. To me, and I think he's really great, and especially his death scene is really he good, is and the way really he's good. sort of scared of Giovanni Ribisi and also wants to like placate him and be his friend. Like it's 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 a very interesting. He's good in it. But I never really quite got what his POV was because it would be either a guy who's a co-conspirator or a guy who would make sense who's like, hey, dude, calm down. He doesn't ever really – there's a sense that he's a little scared of what he's doing, like he's going too far. But he doesn't really do enough to – Well, his name uh, is Zero. His name is – he's like kind of a Zero. He's he's sort of a – he's the buddy. I mean, I think the way – it actually feels like – He's doing more with the role than even was intended in a strange. Oh yeah, part of he, he's a foil for Giovanni's motivation. Like there's the moti- there's the moment where he's saying, you know, it was a great Jack line. I, I think I might have written it down. It's like, you know, when you when you a woman like that wants someone someone special. Yeah, and you're just like, wait, the wife of the guy he's working for. That's the motivation of this entire thing. It's like he's the he's the conscience kind of, but. He doesn't actually get him, you know. It's like the, clearly they've gone out and done the the cow thing before. Because he's like, not that again. Yeah. So he sort of thinks it's cool, but then his friend goes a little too far, and he doesn't know what to do with but it. But he also wants to go to Vegas and like wreak more havoc than. Oh yeah, than I forgot about even that. Even this, right. but I thought that 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 scene when he's telling him That's like, a really hey, good point. that that. He, she wants someone special. I was like, I would not be talking right. to this guy like this. Right. What the fuck are you doing? This guy is special. He can shoot lightning or control it or whatever his weirdo powers are. What did you think of Giovanni in the episode? Um, I thought that he was, he really played that kind of loser, loner, stoic weirdo pretty well. I yeah. mean, there's not, it's not there's not a lot of layers to the performance, right? He's just sort of the same the whole way through. Yeah. Um and um but I I, I liked did you not like how he was? No, I liked him. It, he sort of goes, you know, full sling blade. I mean, oh, he's at the, only, the end he does go kind of crazy, yeah. He's the only I mean, I guess this is stuff that w- when you're watching it and and I and I not just thinking of stuff that I want to talk about, but sort of maybe I didn't notice or wouldn't have thought about earlier he's the only one with an accent in the entire show <laughs> like where are they like where I, are I, they? I mean and and i can and i guess 
I know, a li- you know, knowing a little bit of how things get made and the sausages and how it comes. It's like, he's like, I'm doing this. And they're yeah. like, oh, okay. Well, he felt way more method than anybody and else. And you're just I like, bet. all right, cool. Do yeah. Sling Blade. It's, it's going to be fine. He totally does do Sling Blade. But I thought it did a good job of like, those, you know, the small town weirdo yes. dude. He was good. Like, he, I believe that he was unstable. I believe yeah. that he had this thing for this woman who had clearly rebuffed him and he wasn't having it. Yeah, but and I also like that, yeah, the woman was trying to help him. She yeah. wasn't like, she was just the one that had shown him. A like, little bit of kindness. Yeah. yeah, a little bit of kindness. I liked what she's, the part where she's uh, says, like, I think he had a crush on me. I don't, like, all of your students should have a crush right. on you. <laughs> You're like the hottest woman in three counties. Yeah. It's like crazy casting. She's, like, you got the hottest woman in the world. Married to the to the tow truck guy. Yeah. Who's like a handsome guy, I, I mean, guess? It's like, yeah. It's like, that's a bad idea. Don't. The, don't go don't go for that woman cuz her husband will genuinely kick unless you unless you have lightning powers. Right. I thought that this first scene where you see his lightning powers a cold open when the guy pushes him around and then he goes so is it my turn now? I thought that was yeah. pretty badass. That was And and the the uh, even though I, I mean the DPO thing from the title I mean if you're an arcade sort of child of the 80s and that idea of getting your name up there. I mean they didn't have timestamps that's the only thing I'll say but um, ah. Because he says, "Oh, last night he was here last night." Yeah, and put in That's his initials. Right. But it was still the it was a clever conceit in terms of the reason for it being an arcade and, yeah. and sort of his desire to be on the board, you know, his desire to matter, which is what so many of these that, guys are about. That's exactly right. He's a guy who can't control his life, and then su- an arcade is where he does that, and then suddenly he gets a power where he is able to exert control yeah. over uh, most things around him. I mean, he kind of does that thing where he almost kills the guy and then revives him, right? Yeah. Like that's In front of everybody. By in the front way. of everybody. That's yeah. why he's like a dumbass. Like, he's not a smart guy. He doesn't think this through. But he that, that thing that he does is like a actual like serial killer thing yeah. of like almost killing someone then then reviving them so there's like real dark stuff going on um i uh uh or darren peter oswald that's dpl yes. yeah i didn't remember that that's what that was i sort of remember uh, uh w- what happens in the episode but i didn't remember what that was uh, what does he say do you see yourself as a something person i wrote it down i can't see it um Scientists will tell you they still don't understand lightning. Sorry. Yeah, what was that about? Just the whole thing of that guy's kind of, he's so mean to them. Yeah, he's He's like, like, there are four people that's dead, and it's lightning. Don't, if you guys say anything, it's like, guys, we're the federal, I mean, like, I don't know, in the 90s, wasn't that like a big deal when you were fed and you came to town? Well, this is the thing I was talking to Devin about when we, that podcast isn't out yet, but we, in movies, we're, taught to learn that FBI hates the CIA, hates right. the local... Is th- but that's only from the movies. Right. I don't know if that's a real-life thing, but somehow in the language of movies, we've decided, like, these departments always, always hate each other. Although, I will say, my father uh, is a, was a, a prosecutor of our county for a number of years, and, and he thinks the FBI is incompetent, but... Okay. So I, I shouldn't say that probably online. Well, there's a great... I, I, I can't help but think of in Die Hard. County, he was a county uh, official, so it wasn't sure. like... But you still, know. that's... Uh, they you had, know, he's they local. had issues, apparently. Yeah. yeah. In Die Hard, at the end, when the FBI shows up and turns, he goes, I give you the FBI. <laughs> and they're like these fucking dumbasses. Special Agent Johnson and Johnson. Yeah, no, <laughs> that's no right. Um... Uh, but yes, you're right. Most of the time, they're probably it is a movie conceit where it's like the internecine 
yeah. you know, conflicts between yeah. these things. Yeah, it, it seems to me like sort of a lazy way of creating conflict. conflict Although yeah. then you see like you know the movie Zodiac, which I really really love, oh, and love that is that. a lot of jurisdiction stuff. But that's more the people trying to get it off their hands. And also just the I think that movie did such a good job of of articulating the time and place in terms of how you couldn't really share information. It was hard. You know, you had to have oh, people yeah. send stuff and you had to call up and be like, there was no way to know that this murder might have been or this disappearance might have been connected to something somewhere else unless you were out there looking for it. Right. And and it, I and thought that was one of the, I, mean, I love that film, actually. I think oh, I love that movie. I've seen it. Underrated. I've yeah. seen it. Ma- Is it under? I, I, I think maybe so because times. it's one of David's, like, it wasn't like a super successful, like, hit movie, but I think it's 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 so good. Like I actually, it's so good. I was at a restaurant and I saw David Fincher sitting there. Did you tell him? Did you go? I wasn't gonna say anything to him, but we were just we were talking about Gone Girl. Yeah, and our friend I was with was like, "Um, "Be careful what you say," because that's. (laughs) And I love I loved Gone Girl. Um, you're like if he's here, if he's listening. Yeah, <laughs> you're like I loved it. it was, hey, no, I really did. It's great. But he She's was totally right gone. there. I was like, it, it was crazy to be in a room where you, this guy who's like just a fucking genius. Yeah, no, I I didn't work on the film, but I met him once, twice. But the one time I met him, I got to say that Zodiac. I was like, that's that's my jam. That movie is, I think, my favorite. And and I think he was like, oh, you know, when when you hear like. I'm sure he just gets seven or what, you know, all yeah. the time. It's like, yeah. it was, I don't know. They're all great. Seven was one for whatever reason that I got to see it again. I've seen it twice and I never really loved it. I don't know why. I love serial killer stuff, but. It's really good. I, I, was, an, I was an intern at New Line Cinema in college and I um, read the script when it came in, when, when they bought it. And I yeah. was like, and I had no idea what a good script was. And I was yeah. like, this is pretty good. Yeah. They're like, yeah, we just bought it. I was like, cool. Yeah, like, cool. It's going to work out. Yeah. And it really, really did for it everybody did. involved. Um, I thought that sand turning into glass thing, like that was the the, the sheriff does know a lot about lightning for yeah. just a sheriff because the town is like a lightning USA. It's like a lightning town. There's a there's a there's a um, observatory down the road. Just FYI, is it? So do they ever? He's the one. He somehow gets struck by lightning and gets the powers. Yeah. Right? Is it lightning that's generated by that facility, or it's never really Unclear. clear? Unclear. I think uh, the way I was reading it it might be wrong was that 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 the lightning strikes that they were using the fact that they made lightning and that they had these lightning rods as a sort of explanation for why there were so many deaths yeah when it wasn't actually like not everybody who gets hit turns into that guy right it was just a misdirect to say well um it's not uncommon in a place where you know there's this much lightning activity which is this is funny because i'm i've been reading old x-files classic comic books and there's an episode there's what there's an issue about like ball lightning that like goes around and kills people and it's very very similar is this to this the one where because i saw this is the idw yeah because I, I saw one um the i'd read i don't remember which one but there was one that was the um classic like before from the 40s or 50s like the very first oh there's one called year zero yeah year that's zero. a new one yeah 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 that, Have you re- I haven't. Read I haven't that. read those yeah. yet. I haven't. I that was a but cool idea. Yeah. No, it's totally a cool idea. I, man, I'm hoping. Whenever I, uh, I know you're one of the people you work at Fox, but I, I've been reading so many interviews where Gillian Anderson will She's say, gonna do th- "Is she going to do this podcast?" I mean, I, I, I would love rumor, to have maybe. her do it. She's I, listening. Maybe. 
Um, yeah, I don't think she's listening, but <laughs> but I do be. have one in, and yeah. I, I have to I have to call in a favor, and I'm gonna try and do that. She says she wants to do it, but but well, she I've talks been banging the drum, as you know. Yes, the writers, thank you. everybody I know, to come on the podcast. Yeah, I think I think we're I, I I think we have have some exciting stuff coming up, but I don't want to say it because I want it to be done before I say it. You know. Um. There is, uh, yeah, I said the Jack. Don't tell him he's not special. Don't do that. Also, is the guy who's like the most special. Also, his mom, where she says he couldn't hurt a soul. That feels to me like it's really kind of nothing because he is kind of a shitty kid. Yeah, and it's not like I. It would have been good if something had been made more of the fact that power corrupted him and made him like a monster. But it seems like he was always kind of like a dick. So the mom saying that didn't really, it just felt like a line that was in you, there, you know? You didn't really know, and this was something, you know, when when we made um, that film Chronicle, and it, and, it, and I only bring it up not because I worked on it, but because it was all in the script that, that Max wrote and the movie that Josh made. The idea, similarly, was the notion that there were, the, by virtue of abuse or whatever it happened, the, the, the thing that broke was broken before the powers came. It wasn't right. like a story about, powers corrupting you know absolute yeah. power corrupting absolutely as much as it was sort of you know acting out and like things because you sort of go back it's all about i think with villains it's always interesting to sort of see how far you go back you know right. where does it start like where are people who you know are, are, are very few i don't believe people are necessarily born evil right I, I don't think but the idea of sort of how we are sort of created into the people and then both the adolescents and then the adults that we are, um, you know, and not to say that it's, it's a whole different subject of what, what's sort of sympathetic or empathetic and forgivable, but really like, I don't think in this case, we, we, I was saying we spent a lot of time sort of trying to sort of at least show who Andrew was beforehand right. sort of being kind of an outcast, but, but not super cliche in this episode, I, I would have wanted to know a little bit more about what, yes. I mean, I saw his home life. I saw his mom and I you saw, like you're saying, like there, it was a sort of, you know, they didn't get along. Like he was just, yeah, sort of, really, she's annoyed by him and you know, yeah. keeps switching the channels with his mind. Or something. Yeah. There was, yeah. I don't get how lightning powers yeah, allow good. you to switch channels. Like that's a pretty refined specific thing. <laughs> Question. Uh, yeah. That's a very, like, I don't know how he's doing that. That's fine. But to me, I felt like I wanted to know, like you said, a little bit what he was like before the powers, if you're going to make something yeah. of it. And it seems like for that second, I was like, oh, is it that he got weird or like there should have been a point where Zero goes like you changed, man, or, yeah. or whatever. But but nothing really was made of that. I mean, you have the crush on the on the on the teacher on the teacher but yeah so it's which is sort of the most ineffectual thing like you said you know he wants to control his why i mean it's he's like playing video games but i think the crush on the teacher is like a very impotent thing to have like right. you know uh it's sort of something that you can never attain and uh and it's always there always in front of you so, so i like the crush on the teacher thing a little bit even though it, it felt a little simple um but yeah, it's it's also. I mean, you know, we're we're holding this episode to a very high standard because I, I guess I'm saying you talk next. about it. That's what I mean. It's like you you you. It works in the way that like for its for simple a, pleasures for I a guess. good and ex to having both of those guys in it was pretty awesome. Yeah, and it's a good excellent. I mean, that's fun stuff. Like where he looks at the Playboy and she was 
she's like, uh, surprised you haven't <laughs> already read that issue. Like, they both just yeah. know he's uh, he's into porn. She's totally nonplussed. Yeah. I, I thought that was, like, another great runner. <laughs> it's for... great. Like, they've been together for a few years now, and they understand, yeah. you know. Um, she gets and, it. Yeah, she gets it. She's fine with it. Yeah. And he says that he has read it, but that yeah. there's something else <laughs> in there. It's not even he's like, I haven't gotten to it. No, 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 I have read it. I like the articles. Um, I thought the... Um, I, I I really really found Rabisi in this very unlikable, and obviously that's sort of what you want to do. But when he gives the guy the heart attack and he does the defibrillator yeah. and stuff, I f I really didn't like him. And I always like like Chronicle the bad guy. I always I all I liked him right till the end, and some of it's the performance or whatever it is. You you establish a At kid. least you empathized. Yeah, Whether you liked him or not, you yeah. understood that the people he went after were at least people that, you know, yeah. might have hurt him. It would have been great if Rabisi had one little monologue of like, I've never been anything in my life. This right. is my first shot at it. Right. You know, this is something now people give a shit. I thought he was really good at the end when he's freaking out and yelling. Um but I just one little thing would have really like brought it together for me. And yeah, I wrote down he's super dumb. Like he just does it in front of everybody. Uh I'm saying he is lightning. We have to get him before he strikes again. Yeah. <laughs> I just, again, I just want to be clear. I love Howard Gordon. I think he's an amazing writer yeah. and, a, and a good dude. I just thought that was a funny line. It's a tough line. It's a tough line to pull off. I wrote it lightning. down. He is lightning. I wrote down the same thing. And I also wrote down, like, this shitty small town angry kid, like, just start a fucking metal band and be happy, you know? <laughs> with ja you have Jack Black. You have you Tenacious have Jack D. Jack Black. He's amazing. Well, here's the thing with Jack Black. I think Jack Black is so fucking talented, and he's one of the best performers I've ever seen. Yeah. Like, in whatever he does, there's something about that guy that he has this ability to fully commit. And like you said, this is a role that maybe he made more of than was ever meant to happen. And so I find Jack Black to be very magnetic, very electric, yes. ironically, because he's not the one with electric powers. Um, and then Giovanni Ribisi is really good, but Jack Black has this like fucking charisma. Yeah, that's what's fun about seeing these guys back then. I mean, yeah. seeing anybody sort of at, at an earlier stage in their career. Yeah. Not, as I was saying earlier, not the Pitfall commercial from the 80s. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's for, good but, in that too, I think. But you can feel him becoming him i mean even in these small moments on a television show where yeah. he's his mannerisms his sort of style his, his house style of jack which is which is he evolved over the years into all kinds of different roles but there was always something that's his movie star quality is him you yeah know, the jack of him that's, and that's what that's when you see a high fidelity you're like yeah. great movie who the fuck is yeah, that guy for sure and at the end he gets to sing and it's fucking amazing i just watched that movie again it's great it's such a great movie was it 2000? It came out like right... I feel like yeah. there was this sort of 99, 2000. There's a couple of years where I feel like there's a bunch of movies that just sort of disappeared. For some reason... You think High Fidelity is gone from the conversation? Like it um, should be still be talked about, It's I think. talked about, but I don't think it's sort of... Um, again, I, not just, I, I, I'm not saying if they weren't big hits, that means they're not good movies. I just think sometimes the ones that are really successful are the ones that people end up going Remembering. back and talking about, you know, Gladiator was 2000. It was Best Picture. It was hugely successful. And it's like people are still saying, Gladi you know, from freaking Exodus trailer from the director of Gladiator. It's like, yeah. Guys, it was 14 years ago. Let's yeah, that was a long time ago. Um, I mean, go see it, but still. It, it is interesting how some movies go away and some stay. Like a movie like Office Space was not a hit. Oh, it's like, but now it's like, 
become such a thing. And I'll I'll watch a movie and I'm like, oh, this movie is gonna, we'll find its audience. Slither. I don't know if we talked about it last time. James Gunn yeah, James did Slither. Yeah. Um, and I was like, oh, this movie's amazing. It's not a hit right now. People are gonna find it, and people still haven't found that movie. I hope they I find it after Guardians. But I think there's definitely, you know, you talk about movies. Blade Runner, Lebowski, I mean, films that sort yeah. of did not find business at all. Office Space did not find business at all, but are in years since regarded Blade as Blade Runner absolute. didn't do well? Did $12 million really? in, uh, in 1982. And then became, you know, a movie that anybody who cares about film cares a lot about. That scene at the end with him giving that speech, the um, um, Tears in Rutger Hauer... Which Rucker Howard wrote. It makes wrote me cry every time. That night. Crazy that he wrote it. The night before or something. Yeah. I mean, that's crazy that Amazing. he wrote it. It makes me cry every single and time. And do it. He was like, sure. Great. And he just came up with like, and it's like futury in the right way too. Yeah. And it's not too emotional. Like it's not like saccharine. And it just gives you just enough. And it answers the question like, yeah, okay. There's something more there than just a robot. It's the whole experience of, of, the replicant of sort of yeah. encapsulated in that one speech about, a g especially because it's a guy who's about to die, he has to be heard. And he has to say, like, I matter, and this is why. Yeah. And, this is, and not in those terms, but he says it about the things, you know, you know, I've seen things you people wouldn't believe. Like, it's all about... I've seen things. You people yeah. wouldn't believe attack ships on fire. I'm yeah. shoulder of Orion. <laughs> um, I've seen I've it seen too many times. Beams. Yeah, I, I, um, I, I love but that But Office movie. Space, though, is why I was thinking about it. And it is like, it's, it's talk about... It, it's both of its moment, um, you know, mid-90s moment, but it's also just the most timeless, awesome, yeah, amazing. I mean, I told you I ran into Mike and I, like, had a yeah. nerd meltdown. Yeah. Mainly because I wanted to tell my new you, and he was like, yeah. okay, cool. Yeah. yeah. Great. And I was like, but, but office space. <laughs> we're, uh, nice we're doing season two right now. Uh, it's been really, really, That's really awesome. fun. When it's is it? And did you know when it airs? April, same right. time as last year. Right. It'll be, again, Game of Thrones. It'll be Game of Thrones, Silicon Valley, and then Veep, which is like right. pretty great. It's so cool. I'm it's so a glad pretty you guys great are doing night. Another season. The other thing about this episode that I couldn't, I didn't really love was when he turns on Jack. It didn't seem to. It would have been good for me if Zero had tried to do something mm -hmm. and got caught. It yeah. felt like too much. He just assumed, and it. It's a great scene when he dies. I think and. Jack is amazing in that scene. Like, he's screaming and he knows he's going to die. He's really good. It just felt a little convenient to me that Giovanni Ribisi just assumed like, oh, this is the guy over yeah. and over. This is the guy. It just wasn't... I felt like Zero's character didn't really get to have anything, uh, any sort of uh, arc or anything. No, he was just a foil, I he think, was, for yeah. anything he... Just so have Giovanni would have somebody to, to talk to and because he doesn't, as you say, like he doesn't either try to talk him out of it. Because I forgot about the Vegas thing. Because it's like he talks him out of, tries to talk him out of the 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 teacher. Yeah, like, that kind of thing. He's like, oh, that's I can't remember. If he was the, it was one of those she's way out of your league type things. I just remember it's that. It's a little bit of way out of your league. That yeah, woman needs something special. Yeah, but he said it in such. That's why I wrote it down. It was such a Jack. Yeah, reading of the line. He's like a woman like that needs something special. <laughs> That's Jack Black. Like yeah, you could like, see him coming ridiculous. up. Yeah, you could see him coming up. Um, I like that in this one, Scully is a little bit on board with like the crazy shit. You know, yeah. she's like, she just came off of seeing aliens. She yeah. sees aliens in the last episode. 
And so maybe she's now a little more open, but she's like sort of with Mulder here where she's like, we got to get this guy. Like something is happening and she's not completely buying it, but she's the one who like finds that his blood blood has more um, ions. Oh, yeah. Whatever yeah, yeah, it yeah. is. Um, so so, uh, so I like that. I like that she sort of goes uh, goes along. Oh, Miss, Mrs. Kavita is the name of the teacher, which is a good which is a good fake name. Um, Kavit. Yeah, I like that. Uh, when you were the only person that was nice to me when he's talking to the teacher, they're holding hands. To me, that was a very scary scene when he's like holding hands with her and they're walking yeah. and she's just terrified. She was pretty good in this. Yeah. I, I, I don't know who that actress is, but she was good. Um, And then um, I would have given you anything you wanted. Like you sort of see his... Uh, desperation there at but the again it. you don't know i mean what did that mean i mean yeah what does it mean i mean they had a like i guess the the idea that they were going for was that he had created this kind of relationship that didn't exist that he sort of thought right. that there was more between them than there was just because nobody was nice to him and she was nice to him nice so it must be love you remember first that's how it was like when i was like 13, 14, you first go through puberty, a girl says hi to you, and you're like, she's in love with me. Yeah. Like, there's no girls ever talk to you. <laughs> I was going to say, I, I was like trying to remember if somebody said hi to yeah. me. No girl said hi to me. I mean, it might have been even older than 14, yeah. but I remember being like, no girls talk to me. This girl said hi to me, so this it's is on. on, and I'm going to know what sex feels like pretty soon. <laughs> Cut to you, 10 years later. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't <laughs> quite 10, but yeah. much closer to 10 right. than uh, anybody uh, would want it to be. Um yeah, but I thought Giovanni Ribisi's performance in that was pretty good. You see the anger and sadness, and um, um, so so they find nothing unusual in his blood, right? But he clearly still has the power at the end. Mm -hmm. So what's going on there? You mean when they have him in the TV when he's he's changing the TV when and he turns into to X Files? Yeah, I thought he that watches X Files. Very meta, or <laughs> crazy meta, meta yeah. World. Um, um, yeah, I, I, that didn't really feel like it was explained to me. Yeah, I think, and and I wondered really where they were putting him. Like, you know, is he an X file now? Is he sort of, you know what I mean? Like, I it was just seems like, like he's a, just in a hospital. Yeah, he's just in a yeah. room, and there's a TV. He's probably still there. <laughs> like, yeah, just hanging out. What? That's I, the third movie, by the way. <laughs> DPO. No. Oh my God! Just kidding, Giovanni. <laughs> uh, I am gonna ask you, and you don't have to answer or whatever. Um, you guys are still gotta be talking about doing well, something. I, I feel like all those guys say they want to do it. Yeah, I mean, I think it's 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 about schedules and Chris, and I know Chris is involved with he has his other shows going on, and everybody that that Frank is working on television. Um, what shows uh, is Frank working on? He's working in London. I can't remember um, all of this. He's doing a bunch of stuff, actually. I just I should have. He writes up, the comic books too. Um, some of the oh, he ones. writes the ID. Oh, I didn't know that. He actually. wrote. Yeah, he does. I think he's like a consultant on oh, all okay. of them, and then he wrote the annual, which was two stories, pretty good. Wow. Like oh, one I of them. Pick it up. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. His one is like more of a traditional X file, and the other one is written by the guy. Fuck, I I can't remember the guy's name, but he's the guy who did. Um, oh man, I'm gonna get in trouble. I haven't read these comic books. Everyone loves them, but it's. I should read them too. I mean, Frank. I, I yeah. I'll, I'll. It's about this dream that Scully has every single night, huh. and then forgets it when she wakes so up. So like Clyde Bruckman's dream. 
Uh, great segue. Uh, Is there anything else you want to say about this before uh, we move on? Just, I just some stray, the stray observations that their um, their suits are looking better. <laughs> they are their, right. The sunglasses are on. Like, yeah. I remember this was right at that moment, ninety five, ninety six, where they were. I think in ninety six was the Entertainment Weekly cover. And where they were in bed, like they were in that. Oh, they were becoming together. sex symbols, yeah. But it was like no, they were becoming like the show was becoming a thing. Oh yeah. And I remember thinking, I like, mean, the numbers double from season two to season three. Oh really? Yeah. Okay, well that makes sense because th- they were, you know, I like my my family would know about it, and I'd be like, wait, what? And I and I remember feeling a little weird about it. It's like no, no, this is our, it's mine. this is our thing. This is not yours. Um, but you can definitely see the suits. Her, she's kind of in her business. Oh yeah, pantsuit and it's pretty, pretty. Uh, they're all looking. They're good, all very yeah. tailored, and they have new service weapons in this. Uh, oh, do they? I know some people are are, are it's super into this. that. Yeah, um, they're silver. I mean, they look like these Smith and Wessons. They're they're because they had these Glocks before. They were always the black. Like after the Die Hard Beretta Model ninety two, like in like all the late eighties action movies, they had that one like lethal weapon. They all had that one pistol. Yeah, and then in the nineties, there was some sort of like, if it was just a standard black gun, it was some sort of Glock or some sort of Smith and Wesson, and then they got these like shiny silver pistols in this, and I was like, "Whoa!" Like, nice. Somebody was just like they're peacocking a little. They're bit. peacocking a little bit. Yeah, it's yeah. like we, you know, we have silver guns. Like, yeah, yeah. Cool. No, this is when the show is like becoming like it's it's because it it felt like a nerd show in the right way where they cared about the shit they should care about yeah. and not about like the hair of the cast. Like the show always looked yeah. good and it had a look, but they didn't care about clothes because it's a bunch of nerds but making that's it. That's what's so amazing is that it didn't, other than we could talk about this in future seasons when they started moving production to LA and things really did start to change a little bit. But, but it's clear that at this point, you know, and not that they weren't committed to it then, but just the idea of the show becoming popular was not about having to then suddenly appeal to another audience by making the show any different like right you had this and clyde breckman's and and you were just like okay like yeah this is better than ever um the and then the only other thing was um i had one other thing oh the the slow-mo shot of quarters uh like martha wayne's pearls falling on the pavement like i think it was either when when zero died or when the guy died in the beginning it was like this arcade motif yeah and then i did wonder oh, that's right that's right like slow, super i mean it was kim manners i guess right was it yeah like, i think so super slow-mo like ding, 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 yeah like quarters and it's I was like that's martha wayne getting shot for the 50th time yeah we've seen that so many times do you watch uh gotham uh i do i'm a little a couple episodes behind i haven't yes. watched it yet um i i i kind of want to see it but i'm also like I want to wait until I know what everybody yeah, thinks of it. It's interesting. It's sort of up and down rings. It, it, it's a. It's well, yeah. I don't mostly down. But. This is what I'll say. So I watch a lot of the new shows. I'm watching a lot of the comedies. I, I give most shows a shot, but I'm not. I don't want to watch. A sh- I really only like watching really good yeah. shows, well, right? You don't have a lot of time. You're working on a really good show. You have no time. Well, yeah, but it's it's also like it bums me out more than it used to. Yeah. I could just watch a show that was like fine, and now I just want to watch like the fucking like the other. So, so my friends for Halloween dre- dressed up as True Detective, and I saw them, <laughs> and I was like, That's genius. I got really the music. They had a mu- they had like yeah, a thing yeah, where they yeah. play the music, and I got really sad. I was like, Oh man, that was such a great and show. I want to see it again now. It's coming though. back, but with this new. I want to see. I'd love to still see them again, but yeah, I know. But, but that's what sucks. I mean, it's great. 
but that show is yeah, gone now. It's going to be a different show, and I hope it's really good. But that music, the opening, the, the freeway on the face, and the I spikes on the butt. I, I, I was going to get the Blu-ray or something and try to find like a long, you know, international flight to try to go through a lot of them. But I do want to watch it again. Yeah, yeah I'm definitely sure. going to watch it again. All right, should we move anyway, on? Yeah, is there anything on. else? Yeah. Uh, no, just no. Okay, so Clyde Bruckman's final repost. This one's written by Darren Morgan, directed by David Nutter. Um, I'll say I was so scared of watching this episode again. I was so intimidated by it, and I still am. I was because it's this is my favorite show. This is my favorite episode of my favorite show. Every time I watch it, I find something new, and I have like a new reaction to it. And they sometimes it's more intellectual, sometimes it's more emotional, but. Every time I find something, and I was telling Emily, I was like, I find myself like just not watching it because, I mean, where the fuck do you start talking about yeah. it, right? I was so excited when you asked me to do this, and honored just given, like I said, how many amazing guests you've had on the show, um, because it is my favorite episode too, or one of my favorites, and I had the same reaction where I was watching it again, and I got really anxious about talking about it in the sense that th that it's not an episode where you would parse it like the one DPO we just did where you'd sort of it, it it almost it asks not to be pulled apart first of all but then at the at the same time it's also it's sublime i mean how do you just other than going on i didn't want to come on and be like it's just awesome guys and it's, just it, see it and your life will be better um and you can i, I was going to just sort of ask you like what you let like just almost talking about what you like about it first because it's and i well, same thing. But well, here's the thing. I I was like, I'm gonna sit down, and what I do is I I have a computer in front of me, and I type out my favorite quotes, and yeah. I found myself just a transcript of the whole episode. Yeah. Every <laughs> scene is so good, and for me, I'll tell you why personally. I really connected with this is, and I emailed Darren Morgan a very sincere email after I watched this episode, and I was like, I'm gonna regret this, but I really want to send it. I sent it, and now he may not respond because I don't want to come off as too creepy. But I was thinking, like, there's so few things that really change the way you look at the world. And this one, for me, when I watched it, I don't know if it was a specific point in my life or w what it was, but I really think a lot about the themes of this episode. And one of the things that... Um, I think about is, you know, when he's talking about uh, all the things that happened so that uh, Big Bopper's mm -hmm. life came down to the flip of a coin, right? And how all these things are interconnected and stuff. And I think about this a lot. I don't know if I've talked about it on this show, but when I was in Pakistan, I was in high school and I was going to be a doctor. I come from a family of doctors, right? But I never really wanted to. I, I was sort of an autopilot. I didn't know what to do. I was in high school, and how the way it works is in Pakistan is in high school you sort of choose mm -hmm. you sort of choose your career, and then you go to college. And college isn't like a there's no med school. College right. is med is school. You go right from high school to that, right? So I was taking, and you basically just pick four subjects in your last two years of high school. It's the British system, and I'd pick biology and chemistry because those are what you need to get into the med school, right? So I picked biology and chemistry. I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I was at a new school. This is sort of a long story. No, this is. Um, this is important. The audience needs to hear this. I don't think you have talked about this. You're so my first day at school, I'm intimidated. I don't know anybody, right? Um, I'm in the class, the biology class, and it's big. It's really big. It's like 60 kids. It's too many. And the teacher comes in, and she's like, oh, my God, so many people. And we're all talking, and her, everyone just quiets down, and her voice like cuts through. 
oh my god so many people and i was like huh just really loud just a reaction and she looked at me and she, she was like who said that and i raised my hand and she was like i'm going to make life hell for you and for the next week she just picked on me like why are you looking at me like that why do you have that stupid look on your face just picking me she was trying to get people to drop the class because there was too many people right. two weeks in i was like you know I don't know if I really want to be a doctor. I'm going to fucking, I, I don't need this. So I dropped the class. I took up English literature, right? Cut it two years later. All of my friends uh, were in biology and chemistry, and they were all going to this med school in Karachi called Al Khan, which is like the best med school in Pakistan. It's one mm -hmm. of the best in the country. It's like a really great med school. All my friends were going there. And I had applied and gotten to this college in Iowa here, and I was terrified. I was leaving my family, and I remember... Like, for weeks and weeks, regretting, like, dropping mm -hmm. that class, right? I was, like, so fucking upset. I was like, man, I should not have dropped it. I was so, so scared. I wanted to stay with my parents. I was like, I fucked up. I have no options. I have to move to America now. Right. And I did. And it, in the beginning, it was horrible. But then it was awesome. And now I have this awesome life. And I'm super happy. And I'm, like, getting to do things that I never thought I would even want to do. You know, like... It's amazing, like wonderful, like do stand up comedy. I'm going to show on HBO. It's wonderful. And all of it came down to me saying, huh, in that classroom. Mm. If I hadn't said that, huh, I know I would have stuck with biology. I know I would have gone to med school because that's what my family wanted. And that's what I would have wanted because I just wanted to hang out with my friends. And I would have been a doctor in Pakistan right now. That's am amazing. And, number and, one. Number and it's, two, did you ever talk to this woman again, the teacher? No, I never You're, did. Do you want to call her and be like, hey. <laughs> Thank you. Just thanks for, you monster. for being. I know being her name. You. I how, know her name. Did you, if you don't mind me asking, how was your family when you said you didn't want to do it, when you didn't want to be a doctor? They were okay with it. They were surprisingly understanding. And they, they've always been like, you know, do whatever you want to do. And they don't really understand my life. It yeah. doesn't really make sense to them. And they don't fully support it, but they don't not support right. it. They don't tell me to change. And they sort of get a kick out of it, but they're also terrified for me. But Did they but still live there? I'm sorry. They no, 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 no. They're in New Jersey. They're in New Jersey. Oh. They were here a couple That's of weeks ago. State. They visited and they stayed here. Um, well, but it is an amazing just cheers to parents' understanding because I had this meeting. I was, my family uh, is mostly lawyers and my mom is a, was a forensic chemist. And uh, um, I was 11 when I was told my dad I wanted to work in film, and I didn't know what it meant. Yeah. And I had bid this big speech. Like I, I the only reason I know this is because he still tells the story about like I like gave a, le you know, a, like I prepared a speech as yeah. to because I thought he was going to be really mad. Like his father's a lawyer, my yeah. sister's a lawyer, my uncle is a lawyer, and I thought it was just something that I was supposed to do. And you know, it was his fault for taking me to the movies every weekend. But I just said, look, <laughs> I, I don't think I want to do this. Yeah. I, I want to work in movies. And this is, I was living in New Jersey. And yeah. he was like, okay, I don't yeah. care, like, whatever. And I was like, really? Yeah. He's like, yeah, wh whatever you want to do. Like, But cool. that's, I think, why this episode speaks to us is that a lot of it is about decisions that people have made, why they've made them is, you know, sort of, I think one of the main themes of it is like free will versus predestination, mm -hmm. determination or whatever. 
And uh, he gives that great speech where he's like, why does this woman collect dolls? Was she like one day just like, I know, dolls. Or yeah. was it that all these things conspired so that all the only option she had was was to collect dolls right. and for him to sell insurance? So I think about that, where like one little thing you did really affects your life in such big, profound ways, right? And you make these decisions all day, every day, and you never really connect the dots or think about them but sometimes like you telling your dad or me dropping that class because I yelled out one syllable at the wrong time yeah and I really sort of got obsessed with this episode because of that um, there's one thing that Emily brought up to me that she says that she says a lot of college uh, applications now ask students like hey do you think you control your destiny or is your destiny outside mm. of you and she says what they're trying to figure out is it's this psychiatric term called or psychological term called locus of control. Mm -hmm. And what it is is it's from the 50s and they still use it. Locus of control is people talking about whether people with internal locus of control think that they're the ones who mm -hmm. really can affect their life and do it. And people with external locus of control think it's other stuff. So, if, so if, if I'm like, hey, why did you fail that test? Internal locus of control, you'd be like, well, I didn't study enough. External right. would be like, the teacher hates me. Just you know. Hard. And I think that really gets to a lot of this episode because the serial killer in this, the bad guy, the bellhop, has an external locus of control, right. right? He's like, I'm not a bad guy. I'm just forced to do these things because that's what I'm supposed to do. And then at the end... I'm sort of jumping all over no, here. No, but it's Clyde calls him on it. I mean, in one of the best moments where he says, you do the things you do because you're a homicidal maniac. Yeah. And it's such, such a, a moment of moment. clarity for, for the bellhop. Yeah. That, and yet it's for us, it's actually kind of a, a it, it, it's liberating in a sense that, okay, that's, we understand that guy's just broke. Like there's a, there's a thing about him that is for what, you don't go into his past either, but that's broken. Yes. And like it, it actually is going to the internal. It's actually, he's telling him to use your, as the dude would say, parlance of our times. Yeah. Uh, the, the switching from the external to the internal locus. Yeah. But every time you say that, I think all I go to is Locutus of Borg. So I'm sorry. <laughs> Locutus. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> Locutus is awesome. But, but then at the end, obviously the big thing is free will versus determination. That end when they do change it, well, Mulder does survive and he's like, Hey, it wasn't supposed to end like this. I sort of took that to him realizing, wait, this isn't a vision I had, so I didn't have to do those things. I could have changed it. And in that end moment, realizing that he is a homicidal maniac, but that he didn't have to do these things is how I sort of took that. Do you that. mean when... When he's dying at the end, when he gets shot, right? he goes... Wait, it wasn't supposed to end right, like this. Right, right, right. Because in his was... head, he sees him slitting Mulder's throat, right? But that was... Because that I did have a question about that. It was like the one interesting thing where the the um, the ending, you know, Mulder, it, it deviates from Clyde's description of it. Yes. Which is, which is the bellhop's vision. Yes. Because it's the pie, he looks down, yeah. and then his throat is cut. Is, is the deviation a change in the future? Or is it meaning? Because Clyde sees it one way or another. He is the conduit of of explaining, yes. and we, the audience, see it as, "Oh shit, this is going to happen." This is going to happen. Was it meaning? Was it something else, or was it a change in the future? Because the you you the whole premise I thought was that when whatever Clyde sees happens. I mean, that's part of what's the 
Right, and they have that great exchange where he's like, "How could I see the future if it wasn't already? If it wasn't written? already right." Yeah, I've t I'm gonna quote that line exactly because it's oh man. See, look at all my notes for this episode. It's so many where, where he's like, I, I, "Well, I'm paraphrasing. I, I, you know, finding it is gonna be a, a challenge." Where he says, uh, "How could I see the future if it wasn't already written?" And he goes, "Well, then, what's the point of?" doing anything or oh, here it is how can i see the future if it didn't really already exist if the future is already written what then why bother doing anything now you're catching on right which is really right. his philosophy right? right he's a little like and it sort of shows in that moment where the guy who's like am i going to die of lung cancer and he's like no and then the guy comes and he just opens the door for the bellhop and the bellhop kills him and he just sits there and he's like he's like i can't do anything to stop this because right. i've already seen it so it's already happened but I thought the fact that he sees something and it doesn't happen means that he should have been doing stuff about it. Right. That they that right. it there is such a thing as free will. I don't know. I mean, these, we and could have these conversations he, forever. Then he kills himself. I mean, then he commits suicide with the plastic bag. I mean, that that's sort of like he saw his own end. I mean, it was so beautiful when he talks to uh, Scully about oh my he's god in bed and classic sort of Darren Morgan sort of twist on the words it's it's initially the gag of we're gonna be in bed together yeah and then of and course it's something much more serious and tragic and you're gonna be holding my hand and, and it's that's it, it's so i mean I, I had a sort of similar thing where i was like where do you start kind of talking about this in a way that you know both as sort of an episode of the show and and what i thought in terms of this being darren's second episode um I don't know as much about television, but in working as working film, but th I mean, seeing what is basically an artist's sort of work. I mean, that's what this was. In so many ways, it was pu it was so much. I mean, it was collaborative in the sense that it was well directed and the performance did great. Everyone's the great. actors did a great job, <coughs> but it was as pure an articulation of of his talent and his artistic sort of point of view as I think you can ever see in television. Period. Because both from you know all of the different kind of how he plays with with um, humor in what is ultimately a very serious sort of episode. It's like he almost can't help himself. Yeah, it's like the great misdirect in the beginning where you think the FBI, the cops are talking about Mulder. Oh yeah, and then Mulder really comes the in and, and looks like, Who all are you? superhero. And it's like you're the stu it's the stupendous yappy. But the other thing I think you said this earlier is that it's for the first time that this show Clyde Bruckman is the star of the show. Yes, unlike. You know, uh, every other episode, every other beyond the sea, all other episodes where um, Boggs, where you or 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 you know, think of the great villains or the great sort of tombs, yeah, tombs. Yeah. Th they're they're still, even when Mulder and Scully don't have the most to do in certain episodes, they're still the center of the action. He is the center of the action in this, and they are sort of. I mean, he has exchanges with both of them, but. It's really about his story. It's his, the whole thing is about him, and his. I guess I sort of read it as his point of view, like Darren's, on mortality, and it being ultimately a very hopeful thing in the end. That's yeah. what's sort of interesting is that you think it's a big should be a big downer. It's like yeah. the guy dies in the end. There's yeah. been a bunch of murders, but the because he's such a miserable. His life is pretty miserable, and but but yet sort of gallows humor you know he'd always sort of you know he uh -huh. gets whiskey in the tabloids that's his yeah. saturday night and i actually thought there was and somebody might have pointed i the only thing i read as i said I, I saw um i read the um av club the av club zach hanlon i thought sort of put this in so much more intelligent terms than i could but 
the idea that the show is um, in many ways Darren Sly critique of Mulder and of the show. Yes. In the sense that there's, it's all about, you know, Mulder is always about finding the answers. And this is a guy whose life is about having all the answers. Yeah. And it sucks. And it sucks. And it's actually That's not right. a good thing to have. Right. And that ultimately, like, seeing the other side of that, like, taking our protagonist, taking the, not just the hero, but the entire thing of the show, um, which is about the quest and how we, you know, if we, if we find the truth, the show's going to be over, you know, but actually this guy's life is about, no, it's actually not that great. It's actually a great um, wait. Yeah. It's really, really, like you said, it's very, very dark. I read a thing and it said that Darren Morgan said that he really didn't like how Humbug turned out, which Hmm. sort of shows you what a perfectionist he is. He didn't like his work on it, which is crazy. I think it's such a great episode. What I like about all, all his episodes is that there's always a theme to them. So we watch DPO. That's about mm-hmm. a kid with lightning. This is about free will and, you know, interconnectedness and all this stuff. And um, Humbug was about what's normal and being an outsider and finding a community where you belong. So they, they all have themes, which I like. But he said he was very depressed afterwards and he felt hmm. suicidal. And so he wanted to write an episode where a person commits suicide at the hmm. end. It's really interesting a couple things you said that I didn't catch until today when I watched it. No, I watched it yesterday, but that was the most emotionally affected I'd been by it was when I watched it yesterday. And like you said, I always thought him committing suicide was sad, but when he's describing himself mm-hmm. in the dream, in the dream, which is such yeah. a great scene where he's like slowly dying, there's like he's like kind of happy. He's like the pain of my life is over. Yeah. So in that way. The suicide is a happy ending. It's sort of in in a really weird way, and it makes me think of like, um, you know, at, uh, I I think of uh, like Pan's Labyrinth. Mm-hmm. Have you seen Pan's yeah, Labyrinth? At the end, just a spoiler. If you haven't seen Pan's Labyrinth, go see it. When the girl's dying at the end, and it's a very violent death. It's cutting back and forth between her dying and then her becoming a princess in the other world. So. It's sort of a bittersweet ending, right? Mm-hmm. Like to, in her real reality, it's happy, but in our reality, it's sad. Same with Clyde Bruckman. Same with like the ending of Brazil, right? Yeah, where are you? That's right. Where, where, that's he, where he's dying, and it's a very, very dark ending. But it's kind of hopeful, and that's what I thought that this one was kind of weirdly a happy ending, and that now his suffering is over. And I think the idea too of of being obsessed, you know, that he came to this power in a very interesting way because he was so upset. It wasn't a, I was born with this. It he wasn't, wasn't struck by lightning. Wasn't, he wasn't struck by lightning. He's not a mutant. Um, and he said, I became obsessed with this this particular situation. And, and through that, he just sort of describes that he developed this ability. And it, it just, well, it didn't destroy his life, but it certainly didn't make it very happy. But what I think you come away from the show or what I've, always come away from it when I see it is you may never know you know the the moment and and it's going to come and we we sometimes get obsessed ourselves about like well you know how's it going to happen to me when and if anything it, it should to sort of I think uh, suggest that you know just live for now I mean it's a very sort of I guess as I say it it's kind of simplistic but that idea of not knowing and is actually both the gift, like because your life doesn't have to be this guy's, where you have to sort of see everybody's um, ending and how how and not being able to do anything about it and how difficult that is. But ultimately, not knowing, like the rest of us that don't live in the X Files 
world or don't aren't Clyde Bruckman um, have to get on living. You know that that's that's sort of what he leaves us with, and he bears that so we don't have to, and that he dies. Yeah, as you say, I think you're right that he it's a release where, and maybe this is what in in real because I guess I never quite understood why he did it. Why he kills himself? I, I didn't quite. I mean, yeah. part of it is I thought, and this is the first time that it really hit me emotionally in the beginning when he gets the head of lettuce or cabbage, yeah. whatever, he sees his own head yeah. inside it, yeah. and that's him dead at the end. This is a guy who sees his death at random points all the time. He knows how he's going to die. He knows Scully is going to sit there and look at him. He knows how he's going to... But it's it, uh, what it is that he can't control it, right? So he just sees his own death when he's like opens the fridge. He mm -hmm. sees his own dead head in there, you know? It's... He does it partially maybe because he sort of did the one good thing and, and stop stop help stop, it. stop this guy. That's what I figured it to be, and it, it broke the chain of... He helps stop this guy because he really does make it so that Mulder doesn't die, right? Here's the, This is also from the AV Club um, review, which I really, really like, um, and I'm going to read read this. It's sort of a long thing, but it sort of gets to what you were saying. He says, what it means to me, at least, is that there is no solution or purpose but the search itself and the pleasure we take in the random and the mistaken and the game of putting together pieces that keep changing and disappearing and twisting in your hand. For Brockman, the questions went too far and the joy died, but Morgan can't help but throw in tricks and puns and illusions. After all, if heart attack, cancer, plastic bag are the only ways this thing can end for any of us, why not play? Yeah. Even in all the bleakness, there's hope in that somehow. There's hope in that somehow. Yeah. And who knows? Maybe there really is a riddle we can solve that will make this better. Maybe we can save everyone and ourselves, and the sun will shine tomorrow, and those lotter numbers will come in. Maybe Scully will never die. It's a lie, but there are worse ones to believe in. I think that's Zach's piece. Yeah, it's from the AV yeah, Club. Yeah, he, I thought that, uh, truly, that's what inspired. I mean, I was trying to get my head around some of these ideas that I was that have always been percolating, because I had a similar... Yeah reaction to what he describes where I, I'd always liked TV and you know thought things were basically good and then I saw this <laughs> and you're like even when they weren't I just didn't think about it one way or the other I was like okay it was fine or and then I saw this episode and I was I guess I was a freshman I was in college and it was when I'd been into my X-Files thing for a while already and this episode just like like I said it felt like an artist's work like I was yeah. like wait that was an hour of TV and I, I have to and I hadn't taped it Yeah, I think I was watching it live and <laughs> oh I wanted no. to watch it again I mean can you imagine you're just like oh this is uh, let's yeah. watch this week's X-Files and then you watch that and you're like what the fuck just yeah, happened but I knew that something was like something that I think I'd only reserved for sort of film for the mo I had a reaction yeah. to sort of certain movies that had yeah. kind of affected me in ways that I didn't quite understand the theme being because yeah. they weren't things that I necessarily thought about but it's it's uh, it's profound because it, and it touches on all of the other like I said it's a comment on the X Files the show yeah it's a comment on the characters themselves but then it's Darren being able to take the platform of the show and make a much more I think sophisticated and subtle point about like something pretty deep which is death and yeah our meaning of mortality and life. Yeah, and what we do and what it means, if anything. If we all die, then what's the point of fucking doing anything? But I I, I, I want to watch this. That conversation that you said that um, Clyde Bruckman and Scully have where mm -hmm. she goes, there are hits and there are misses and then there are misses. And right. he goes, I just call them as I see them. That always like, 
gets me choked up a little bit. To me, that's such a sweet, sweet moment. And when she's like, how do I die? And he goes, he goes, you don't. It's such a sweet moment. That must have caused so much oh. chaos back then. <laughs> yeah, in like, what of, does that mean? Well, just from from where the show had gone to that point. Like, yeah. Okay, she's immortal. Yeah, right. And that's right. pretty amazing. I mean, and, yeah. I, and I couldn't tell back then or, or now, I guess, even whether he meant it to sort of n- not didn't want to tell her or genuinely like something or something beyond because yeah. I had connected it with with one breath and the idea that she had been to some version of yeah. an afterlife where she talked to yeah. her dad and was on the boat and there was something kind of uh, yeah beyond that there was something past this yeah and I thought that was something that he because he never talks about afterlife he never talks about what happens when you die, his dream is always just about watching himself. It's just about the liquefaction or whatever yeah, he said. Yeah, liquefaction. Kind of amazing. He, there's a quote that Darren Morgan has about that word that's oh, really? really interesting here. Uh, I'll read the quote. But just before that, I think, um, what was I going to say? I think it's really interesting that in this episode, uh, I always took it as he's just being nice to her. Mm-hmm. He's just being sweet to her. He really likes her. And it's interesting because you see Mulder using him as a tool, right? Use Mulder at one one point is like after they spend their nights at the hotel with him, she has a night with him, and then he has a night with him. He's like, I don't. This guy's frustrating. And she's right. like, Actually, I like him. Yeah. Because Mulder's seeing him as a guy who's gonna as a means to an end, right? Someone who's gonna help him solve this m- serial killer mystery, and she just sees like a kind of a sweet depressed person. Yeah. But also, I think. The fact that he is, you know, there's a scene that really struck me this time is that he sees a vision and he goes and throws up, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, he's been seeing death all day, every day, and it still affects him. And there's a part in the forest where he says as much, where he says, like, I don't think you're supposed to get used to death. To me, that really is big insight into his character, that he's this guy who's clearly he is depressed and he thinks there's no point to anything, but there's something more there. He's still... He still wants to help them, and I think there is a little bit optimistic is a very strong word, right. but there's something in him, I think, that's still alive, that still makes him want to do this stuff. And, well, and I think it's 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 it would have been an easier kind of character to write who is just morose and sad and 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 kind of, but he's hilarious. He's I mean, hilarious. His, his gallows the, humor. It's classic. Darren, I mean, I say classic Darren Morgan, like he's written more than four of the episodes, but I mean, it's like, it's so good. And it well, so deepens what the show yeah. is already kind of talking about in its kind of, in, in its otherness. You guys yeah. talked about it, I think, in the Humbug episode, and maybe it was Emily, where it was just how it was a comment on the show's itself. The show, It was like, the show is about otherness. Yeah. And that this is the the almost, not the antithesis of it, but here was a group in 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 humbug of just we're actually being other is normal yeah and it's like darren had this gift and has this gift in in the show of sort of holding up a mirror to what the show was about and that's a strong just from a confidence from everybody involved first and everybody else to do that and say i mean it's not like he was upending the whole thing but i do think he was he was making comment on the like show, the show, but also telling a real story that's About very intellectual yeah. and very emotional, which is so hard to marry for in forty-one minutes. That's crazy. And taking some of the agency away from from both of them, yeah, especially Mulder, who I think comes off 
less well than she does because he's just envy. I mean, he's for most of the show, he's sort of envious of, and he says as much of this Bruckman's guy that has superpowers. I mean, it's 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 interesting that we were we were talking about this really quick. Uh, the stupendous yap. There's that yeah. great thing in the beginning where they think they're talking about Mulder, and then they yeah. they're like, "Who are you?" That happens a couple times to Mulder. Uh, and then the stupendous Yappy comes in. That actor is Mulder's stand-in. And mm. so to me, that's also a little bit of a meta comment in that Mulder would like to be that guy, right? right. Mulder would like to be the guy. He's outside when he hears clapping. Mulder would love to be the guy who has his crazy theory right. and right. everyone claps. Instead, people are like, you're fucking a weirdo. You're spooky. Get out of here, right? right? Um, and, but then that guy is Mulder's stand-in, so that there's like a weird parallel there, parallel there for me. Um, I really like that. Here's his. This is uh, Darren Morgan. He's so funny, even in his interviews. He says, "There's a scene in there when Clyde Bruckman's describing this dream that he has every night, where we see the dream, and it's him lying in a field, and his body just dissolves." Um, as I'd written as a voiceover, a very specific description of what would actually happen to a body if it was a corpse, if it was decaying outside, and the censor just wouldn't have any of it, and there were no offensive words or language or anything like that. But I just couldn't use the word maggots. They wouldn't let me use the word maggots. Wow. Weird. I had huh. to use insects, which seems really silly, especially considering other stuff we've done on the show. There's one part where I talk about the tissues liquefying and the innards rupturing or something, and I couldn't use that. Ended up, the line I ended up using was, he says, the inevitable follows putridity and liquescence. I don't even know what that means. The character would never say that, would never use the word liquescence. No one's ever used that word. But I agreed to put it in there as my own sort of joke. I laugh every time I hear it. What does that even mean? No one's paying attention to the voiceover anyway as they're watching the effect of the guy dissolving, so it just doesn't make any difference. But dealing with the senses, it was just, what's wrong with maggots? That's so that's so, so funny to me. And liquescence, I think liquid, what was it? Liquescence. Liquescence past? Yeah, liquescence, uh, uh, putridity and liquescence. And he just put it in me. He's like, fuck you. Oh, I'm gonna use, amazing. I'm going to use a crazy, stupid word. And it makes him laugh. But it's such a great... And then after that, he does this long speech. And he goes, well, good night. And then he turns the light off. That's the first punchline. Yeah. And then the tag is when Scully knocks and Mulder opens the door. He's like, I haven't been able to sleep. That's like another joke on that. And it's so... That's the one thing that's really hard to capture when we're talking about it. We talk about it and it seems like this really high-minded, serious thing. It's one of the funniest episodes yeah. of The X-Files ever. If Peter not Boyle the is just a genius. I mean... I mean, he won an Emmy. Man. Oh, he won the Emmy for that. That's right. And yeah. didn't it win writing? I mean, wasn't there a And another? Darren Morgan won yeah, for Darren best. Morgan. I, I yeah. remember Darren Morgan that, won that and he won Peter it. Boyle won. And when Peter Boyle passed away... You know, I really liked Everybody Loves Raymond, but I got really sad. I watched Clyde Bruckman again the day that he died because that, to yeah. me, for me, that was the thing that he did that really, really got to me and affected me, you know? And uh, even watching it, like, I watched it again today. I watched it yesterday. I watched it today. I get, like, choked up watching this show. And it's it's interesting to have a show that is an episode that is so philosophical but still gets me emotionally. Yeah. Well, it's it's the character. It's it's that moment where he describes uh, that monologue about the chain of events that could lead to him, sort of n- n- not like never being born, and then he goes, "When do we start?" <laughs> like, that's so dark. It's genius. But it's so it's, dark. So it's, funny. That's hard to do. I mean, to to make that yeah. funny, you know, because humor is is always the great disarmor in that way. Yeah, and that's what he's are, using it for. But hiding his own pain and suffering, and I think that's why you connect to it is yeah. that you see a guy who's you know just a sad dude 
who's like seeing these deaths but has so much um you know he sells insurance yeah for a living that scene where he's like oh tries yeah. to sell it to Mulder. yeah oh no but there's a scene where of course where he tells oh, the family like, like you need to work on your closing technique your closing technique but 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 being able to pivot from this incredibly frightening sort of speech about what's going to happen to him yeah this guy you're coming home to your baby died. I don't remember all of it, but it was, oh. he describes it in, in detail. Yeah. The moment of this guy's death. And then you're like, oh shit. And the guy's like, you really got to work on your clothes. You go, <laughs> yeah, okay, it's really laugh. funny. Because it, the humor, it's released. It allows you yeah. to sort of, you know, uh, it, it's okay. You know, it's, yeah. it, you know, it keeps you going. But there's a, there's another line that he says where he says, I'll be dead before you catch this guy, no matter what you do. And when you first watch it, you're like, Oh, he's going to get killed by him. No, he knows he's going to kill yeah. himself before this. And then happens. he says to the guy, not this way, not this and the way. Guy yeah. Just says, great. And yeah. You know, I mean, there's another quick scene there. There's so much to talk, so many great scenes, but when you guys like, do I die of lung cancer? And he's like, no. And he knows he's going to die. And then he pulls out his lighter and he lights the cigarette for him. To me, knowing what happens, that was such a sweet little thing yeah. where it's like, this guy's going to die. It felt, when you first watch it, it felt like a thing that he wouldn't do. Like, why would he help this random guy? But but that's what comes across is he's a depressed guy, but there's like a real sweetness to him. There's like, he loves Scully. And he his gesture to this guy who's dying is to light a cigarette. It's a yeah. very small thing. His concern for his neighbor... Yeah. Who he says, Do you have enough dog food? That's such a yeah. funny thing, but so dark. So but he's dark. not a misanthrope. That's that's what's that's what's so gifted about Darren and how he renders these characters because you could have seen a guy that was just broke under the weight had this gift or had this curse and, and became such a dick because he just couldn't deal with people. Yeah. But that's just not who this character is. And there's he's like actually, a real softness it's all, to him. It's all directed at himself it really is and he, he's pretty like every time he sees a dead body he winces in a way yeah. that you know scully and Mulder that don't he there's like he's still raw he's still very open and he likes to be you know th another scene that's so funny where he's like her eyes were cut out and she's like but the body was face down how do you know and he was like well weren't they well then what are you complaining yeah. about yeah. which is such it's a, very borscht belt yeah Actually kinda, <laughs> it's it, so it, good it's, it's so good it's a lot of take my wife yeah, <laughs> but he's, he's like fucking nails it. Lala Palazzo. That's yeah, great. Yeah, that was great. Great joke. Great that's nineties, nineties reference. But Lost on kids from today. Oh yeah, is it gone? Lala Palooza's gone. No, it still happens is in Chicago, still right? It's oh, not. It doesn't travel. But maybe I, that was Lilith Fair. I don't know. Whatever. Oh, Lilith Fair is gone. Yeah, but Lala Palazzo, Lala Palooza is still. I think it still happens in Chicago, and it's still. Um, I think Perry Farrell is still doing it. Uh, I just want to mention real quick before we go back to more uh, Clyde Bruckman, the guy, the bellhop, um, Stu Charno. Stu Charno, yeah, is Sarah Charno's husband. Husband, yeah. He is. That is really good casting because mm -hmm. that's not a traditional serial killer in the way he's not creepy or handsome or charming. Right. He's kind of an average guy. He's kind of a putz, right? And there's like a real like he's got these big eyes and. His performance is really good. It really makes it work because that part where he first goes to Madame Zelda, I think is her name, yeah. and she, he, he, he's like, why do I do the things I do? And then he starts squeezing in her hands, and she's like, you're hurting me. He's like, I know, I know. And he has this like resignation, like, 
I know I'm doing this, but I, it's he's kind of like, it's kind of not my fault. Right. And he's sort of diffusing responsibility. It goes back to the locus of control thing, right? To, if you think of the people who blame circumstances outside themselves, those are the fucking worst people, right? Those yeah. are the people that you're like, oh, you're always blaming someone else for your problems. And I have a friend, he's Buddhist, Martin, Martin Starr. He's Buddhist, and uh, I heard him talk a little bit about, I don't know much about Buddhism, I'm not really religious, but he was talking about how one of the main tenets of Buddhism is understanding that you can't control stuff outside of you. Mm -hmm. You can only control yourself and your reaction your to things. And so that's Pretty internal advice, I would locus say. of control. I think that's really good advice. You know, you're stuck in traffic yeah. and you're like, well, I can't control that. I just have to control how I feel about it, right? Um, and to me, that's also why this is such a good bad guy. He's a guy who, like, doesn't sort of take responsibility for what he's doing, right? And he has that. That's why when he says, like, you're a homicidal maniac, and he's like, oh, yeah. right. And he's like, there's like this joy to it almost. Like, he understands why finally. I thought that was really interesting. And I thought that guy does a really good job. Um, and the fact that it, this, from the point of view of the construction of the, of the, episode which deals a lot with the nature of coincidence being coincidence or not that oh, yeah. he actually says that they go to the hotel where he works yeah and he says they brought you right to me yeah and in any other show you would have been like that's that's, that's ridiculous that's impossible that's a shortcut that that's happens a, a lot that's in Woody a, Allen movies, that's I find. A bad, and I love Woody you know, Allen. But or even but just in the show, you know, because the yeah. forty one minutes to tell or whatever yeah. it is, that but but in the context of this show, it's perfect. It really works. The whole yeah. thing is about that. Yeah. And it exists almost outside of our reality and like yeah. not reality, but our 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 expectations of good drama and believability right like predestination yeah. it, but i'm saying that they take him to the hotel yeah where the serial killer when we didn't by the way set up that the serial killer even works there no we, had we no don't idea. even know idea he does he shows up and yeah. he's there in any other show or any other version of, of even of this show you, you you would be like okay this 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 is too much this jumped the shark but that's what it's about Mulder says if coincidences are only coincidences why do they feel so contrived right. which is such a but great line but that's his line. whole con I think that's another sort of yeah. not jab it's not a jab at the show at all but it's his at least his feeling or his point of view Darren's about you know yeah, the nature of these kinds of things these episodes feel constructed and, and there's things that feel like written but then this episode sort of calls that out and it sort of has like a comment on it but also talk you know like it it ties into the predestination thing yeah, right but that's why it doesn't thing. make you feel in the moment when it happens that it's anything other than 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 makes sense and actually gratifying because of course that's what has to happen. It makes sense in the theme of yeah. the show. Like, it totally, totally does. There's wow. so much of Darren's. It's, like I said, when I saw it in the first time, I didn't know how this stuff really worked, but I got such a sense of, I, I remember looking at the writing, and I was like, oh, that guy, Darren Morgan, because I didn't remember, I think, that he had, or that he'd written Humbug at that time, but it had such identity, you know, yeah. of this guy's point of view about mortality, and, and as I was saying earlier, weirdly a hopefulness about what we're supposed to take away from the episode yeah. in, in even more than Mulder and Scully that w we sort of exist alongside them with this guy yeah because they're not driving it like yeah. they're just there and they're you know there's a thing of course they always end up with a thing at the end where there's guns drawn and a yeah. guy and a thing but 
the show is not about that this time. No, it's you know? not. And, and I and I think, like you said, the hopefulness of it for me comes from the idea of you know, like uh, uh, AV Club Zach said, like you might die, but you know what makes life worth living is interconnectedness and like yeah. connecting with people and like this fabric that we've created in a society and and he's this guy who's been depressed and lonely and now he has this connection with Scully and they like really share something beautiful and he says it's a moment neither of us will ever forget right which yeah. is part of a joke and then later the payoff is just so moving and she takes the dog yeah she takes great. that's Queequeg's like origin stories yeah. that he ate his last owner I think yeah. that's so awesome but um I think Moby that's Dick what. Reference. Excuse me. Nice movie, Dick reference. Yeah, totally. I think that's what's so beautiful about this episode is that it is hopeful. It's like, yeah, it might be bleak and we're all gonna die, but while we're here, yeah. you know, we can connect and do something awesome. And this is a weird part of Emily, who's a therapist, said like, a lot of times people who are really depressed will kill themselves when they're coming out of a depression because mm. that's when they finally have enough energy to do something about it. Right. They just before that they just completely like no locus of control, right? Oh, interesting. Do you think that's that's I I mean I, I hadn't I thought hadn't about it in the context of this, but maybe a little bit. Like maybe him connecting with Scully gives him the energy to finally well, do and him giving helping enough helping, to change yeah. the future that yeah. that he saw yeah. for Mulder to get yeah. Sliced. And he's like, my work here is done. I saved the dog. Yeah. I saved these people. I saved Mulder. I connected with Scully. And a moment none of us will ever forget. And that's why I think the dream becomes important because he doesn't say it in a way that's, he says it in his classic, you know, the Peter Boyle sort of light, almost lighthearted sort of, uh, you know, speech where he's describing these awful things. And we see a very awful uh, image of this body decomposing, but juxtaposed with this flower these beautiful yeah flower it's beautiful bed. yeah and it has the strange effect of feeling like a release of feeling like it's actually he ne they never talk about afterlife that's the interesting thing he never talks about no he doesn't what's beyond he actually anything. says like not knowing going where but yeah yeah that's an uh, amazing amazing but speech it allows you to think of death in a way that you know to not i guess this is, this is i'm trying i've been trying to figure out I keep coming back to that hopeful thing, but I find myself sort of so inarticulate about it, but of to not be afraid of it. Do you know what I'm saying? In a way yeah. that we, it's our nature as self-aware beings to fear it. Yes. But to that point of not being able to control things, it's like, well, don't be afraid of things you can't control. Just enjoy the moment. Right. And it's going to happen. And when it happens, maybe it will be beautiful. Right. Maybe it will be, it might be sudden. That's what was so great about Zach's thing. It might be any one of these things. It might be quick or fast or, or slow. Yeah. But but when it happens, um, who knows? Right. I that mean, that's I, what he talks about, you know, uh, the, the, the lie, what a lie to believe, it's a good lie to believe lie in. To I mean, believe that's in, what yeah. meaning is in life, is like sort of lies you tell themselves, yeah. but that's what makes them important and um, makes them not even bad. Like, that's what, you know, you create your own meaning. Everything yeah. you do, you sort of give it meaning and you, you know, you watch something and you have an emotional experience and it changes your day and you go tell someone about it and that's what life is. And But we twist we ourselves up in in being afraid yeah. which is natural it's actually not it's that weird thing where you don't want to uh be too hard on yourself for just being human but at the same time it's it's seeing shows like that you know in in, in yeah. film or television or entertainment yeah. where 
you get to view a tragic character who is also somebody that like lets you takes lets you off the hook in a strange way and you go okay like you you know you're saying you watch it and it affects you every time because it's speaking to that thing that we don't like to necessarily think about or about ourselves it's like that's a scary you know it i'm is. afraid yeah of, of what's gonna happen yeah and you know i mean it's ultimately we're all just like randomly evolved fucking bags of meat on a rock in space but we've kind of made a world and we've created amazing meaning and yeah. we're, we're all going to die and this earth's going to get fucking destroyed. But for we right now, let's believe that Scully's not going to die. You know, we've created things. Yeah. McRib we've created and things. And just cause it's, we've created them just cause we've given them meaning doesn't make them any less important. It, in fact, I think it makes them more important. Um, so many f funny lines. I, I, and there's a little bit of like predestination. Uh, they like, foreshadow things that i didn't catch until this time where this guy said uh, in the beginning the for the cop by the way i think that cop is really good the the guy who says like uh look all i know is that so far yappies provided more <laughs> solid concrete leads in this case than you have now if you don't mind i have to get an apb out on a white male yeah. age 17 to 34 without without a tattoo with or without a beard maybe a tattoo who's impotent let's go <laughs> He's so funny, but he says, like, he was taking eyes for no reason. And Scully goes, nobody does anything without a reason. And that's just sort of a throwaway, throwaway line, but then that also becomes, like, yeah. a big theme of the episode, right? There's not a wasted line in this. Everything is something, even the really funny lines. Like, one of my favorite, the, the, the dolls thing is one thing. I, I keep thinking, I, I think about that speech a lot, where he's like, why do we do the things we yeah. do, you know, that but stuff. Also it's, because it's, a lo it's, it's connected to the same idea of loneliness and the notion of what he's really saying or that she collected these dolls as a she had nothing else or she yeah. you know that there everybody lives in this world you know of of being alone it seems like in the yeah. world that Darren creates yeah. and our characters it's interesting Mulder and Scully come into them but this show is like I feel like I keep saying the same thing I apologize but it's it's sort of it uses the platform of the X-Files as a show to tell an entirely different yeah, story. It does it And so they're involved in it and they're they're sort of help their foils for for Clyde Bruckman, but the show and the point he is making and the world and the characters like the cop, like the old woman across the way are entirely different than the people that populate the X-Files universe yeah. in every other episode. Right. Of the show. Right. And that's even that guy with the boat who says, "But this is a really good boat." Yeah. That guy was really funny in yeah. that line. Yeah. Uh so many great well can lines. we talk about the i mean the molder asphyxiation i mean autoerotic asphyxiation but this is the question, so, so funny but but he's like scully okay so they both get bizarre prognoses right, right. she's not gonna die yeah and he's gonna die in a or way he's just fucking with he's both just fucking with him because it's yeah. like because he's knows, like annoyed by Mulder. because he sees Mulder's throat gets slit. yeah Yes. He sees Mulder's throat gets lit. So I think he's just fucking with him. But his oh, line delivery, that's, that's so point. good. And I noticed that this time, this is the first time I've noticed it, where he goes, autoerotic asphyxiation. And then he kind of smacks his lips like he just like fucking... It's so subtle, but it's really like such a great like little celebra celebratory moment for himself. Just yeah. like... Yeah, that's pretty. It's so but He was subtle. fucking... Okay, because uh, you're that's right. That's what I, I think. No, you're that's right. Because I, I guess he, he must have... Well, obviously we know that's not... I mean... I don't think anybody thinks that's 
was Canon. And yeah, Canon. Exactly. That's not Canon. Um, but it's such a funny. And I read Darren Morgan said that he had been researching like deaths, and he found one. They found that a lot of outer erotic asphyxiations are um, uh, mistaken for suicides, right? Yeah. And so he was saying, he was like, he saw these pictures. He had to look at crime pictures, and he said, all their deaths seemed so undignified. And he was like, this is the least dignified way to go. Michael Hutchins was the NXS? Yes, Michael Hutchins. What year was that? 90s, right? Oh, my God. Here, I'm going to look that up. That's really interesting. I I hadn't thought of that. I hadn't put that together. But yeah, it was like 90. I bet it was right. I think it was the first time I'd really hurt. I mean,. Again, pre and then like fucking internet. Keith Carradine, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, Ninety seven. Oh, so this is after. So it was after that. Okay. This happens after that. So it was a thing, apparently. It was a Before thing. Before. Uh, I never read the papers. Too depressing. Too depressing. <laughs> <laughs> and yet he buys the tabloid anyway. He buys the tabloid the anyway because like, he why wants. Not? I think he kind of wants something to believe in, you know? Like, he's looking for something. He he gets the lotto every day, which yeah. is the ultimate irony that he can say how everything is going to end, but he can't win the fucking lottery. Yeah. But that's what he has. He has hope that he doesn't let on, but he has it. He buys the lottery, and he's disappointed yeah. every time he doesn't win. Like, I think that there's so much to this character that then then he wants to let on. You know, there's so much more to him. And the fact that he buys lotteries, the tickets, I hate... I really hate it when people buy lottery tickets. Like to me, that is such a waste. And you're, you're in Seven Eleven, and they're in front of you. They're in front of like me, and they're like, "Give me the Big Five and the Powerball," right. and the, they all have these names, like the Lucky Sevens and the Graham Crack. I don't know. Maybe there's not one called <laughs> the Graham Crackers. Graham Crackers, but they're always stupid, and I'm like, "You're throwing your money away. You are not going to win." And it that really bums me out. Two things really bum me out. That I get upset about. I think to me that's like taking advantage of people who are in a situation uh, of where they need help. I think what's worse is when they do win. You never hear any good stories of people winning. No, and good you never things hear happen to them. It's always yeah. like they, you know. But you think, listen, I will say I never buy lottery tickets. But if I won two hundred million dollars, I would be pretty good. No, no, but I would I'm not saying fuck you hear the stories of the people because they are the people they that have gone in. Yeah, you know, to and and not even making a. The problem is lottery just money is wasted on the kinds of people who would buy lottery tickets. But that's what I'm saying. I, I didn't want to because I don't think it's purely socioeconomic. But I do think that no, I, ju- a, I mean the kind of people, not socioeconomic. Yeah, I just mean that there's that that things and to have <laughs> that much, even I don't know the, how much they give you a year or whatever. But like somebody's, there's always a case that somebody gets killed. Somebody oh, yeah. has to get it from that. Like it's, oh yeah, families fighting. It's not, it's not good. All this stuff. Yeah, no, I'm not saying socioeconomic. I'm just saying the kind of people who would think that that would be right. their way out of whatever their situation is. And the other thing, and I don't, you know, I have friends who do this, and this is just my opinion. I don't like psychics. I think, I don't know. Are you? Have you been to a psychic? How do I you have feel not. About? I have not. I, I think they prey on people who are. Um, having moments of weakness and people who need help. And I saw that guy, John something was his name. I watched his show and it made me Wait, so what was his name? Because I had an, ex- well, this is a longer story, not for the podcast probably, but I, I, I don't believe, I mean, I don't tend to believe it in it. I've certainly never gone to one, but um, I have People call me closed-minded for thinking. No, I, it's, but I actually think you can be, you can believe in aliens and you can believe in an afterlife. You can believe that there's more that than we know out in the world and on the other side it's just that i always 
am circumspect about the people that seemingly have the ability, but other people don't. And yeah, it always if you seems have the ability, kinda... you should be charging more than sixty bucks right. a session. Well, somebody, it, it, I had a sort of been dealing with a tragedy myself, and someone outside of my family had sort of said something to my sister about what had happened, and that they had heard from this person, and and it was like it made me really upset actually. Because I was like, wait a minute, like that, it almost intruded on the grief in a way. Yeah. In a sense that I was, uh, I mean, it, the person meant it to be sort of comforting. Yeah. But it was very upsetting and it was uncomfortable in the sense that not, not because I didn't want to believe it. Yeah. But because I just didn't believe it. And yeah. I just felt like it was sort of. Yeah. Like I said, it, the the and I didn't want to be mad like I didn't want to be mad at the person, no, no, but no. I was still like, really? Yeah. Like that seems to it be It feels a little like trying to make things about yourself too. The other thing, I think psych people like psychics, I think because it gives structure to the universe, makes you think that there's a reason for things happening, blah blah blah. And then this episode shows that having a structure to the universe can be a is a bad thing. It means you don't have free will. It means that things that are going to happen are going to happen. Yeah. And that's what, you know, Clyde Bruckman believes, right? He says if there are psychics, he basically says if there are psychics, then none of us have free will. Right. Which is not a thing that's been articulated that much. And there's another cool thing, very little moment, it's, it's almost nothing is made of it, where he, Mulder says, if you're psychic, the scientific and whatever implications of it, you never really hear that in the X-Files. When something crazy is happening and they're never like, holy shit, this is the repercussions are right. huge right. of this, right? They never talk about that. They're just like, oh, this is a guy who can uh, uh, trap souls with this camera. They never get into, like, the um, what would it would really mean for the field of science. And here it's just one line, but it's one line more than most episodes have. Well, and it's certainly psychics fit in. The, the phenomenon certainly fits into the 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 canon of X-Files. Oh, it totally stuff. works. It's just to do it in this way where... You know, as we keep saying, it's something so much more emotional and provocative and Beautiful. human because it doesn't matter. It's almost the point of Clyde Bruckman is that it doesn't matter to know or not know in the sense that it, it whether it's destined or not, it's just what are you doing with it? Yeah. And what are the connections you're making and who who are you helping? And, yeah. And, and how are you living, I guess, yeah. is the larger it's way really it. Yeah, it's really beautiful. And that's... um. Like I said, that's so not what the X Files is about. No. In that the X Files is about the truth and about this these characters it's coming about together. Plot and more it's about, than, it's yeah. about plot, but I think it's also about sort of the the idea of as I've always felt it, sort of this man's sort quest. of quest to not be alone. Yeah. You know, and to and to figure out how to yeah. like he's lost his sister, you've now met his dad who's now gone and he's a very distant strange relationship with his mother yeah he has this partner who is his equal intellectually yeah and yet is his bipolar his opposite but it the sh for a show about like you know the is there anyone out there like his whole he, the existential yeah. idea of aliens yeah is really about like no is there anybody for me like is yeah. there anybody that you know i can have a family again yeah and i think so it's not an unemotional show. No, I just no, think no. that it doesn't deal with those kinds of like really deep questions really existential about, stuff, yeah. about death and after. I mean, it, it's funny if you think of it like one breath, like they've dealt with the notion of death and the beyond and things and, you know, in, in a different emotional way. way. Yeah. I know that one breath is one of the most emotional it. episodes in the yeah. show. But 
this is a whole other level. This is a different thing. This is like a philosophical sophistication. She calls him the psychic philosopher, kind of sarcastically. I thought that was funny. There's so many funny moments. That moment where he gives her, he gives him that ugly frog thing, mm-hmm. and he says, "Any other impressions?" And he goes, "It's ugly." Yeah. And then it cuts yeah, to Scully great. walks in, and through the window you see Mulder's got his head on the desk, and Clyde Bruckman's holding like a piece of cloth to his head. Oh, it's the like he's Nick's just jersey. been fucking with him for. Yeah, that's a reference to, that's Beyond, a reference the to Beyond the Sea. Yeah. And uh, Darren Morgan says, which you know, I think his brother Glenn Morgan, James Wong, yeah. wrote it, and he said he wanted to do that kind of episode, so he watched it and on purpose references. It, but that's such a funny thing. He's just fucking with him. Um, uh, another really funny moment is the uh, sometimes it just seems like everyone's having sex but except me, for me. Yeah. <laughs> so that's funny. why he's such a winning character. Ah, oh, so funny. He's great. And yeah. the other coinc- the other um, sort of co- non coincidence coincidence is when he's telling that guy's the guy that was going to die, and he's like, no, 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 we just wrote a policy for him the other day yeah (laughs) that's how we knew all of that information it's so great that moment because it's so many misdirects in this episode right there's so many we we think it's going to be molded then the yappy guy comes in in that one he says that and you think it's him prognosticating and then turns out he's not but then he says oh he's dead so now he is now he does know the future right it, it, it's so it's it's really interesting because it's like a misdirect and then nope what you thought was right it it's so many it's so well written. There's so much going on. Stupendous Yappy was my email password in college for a while. Really? Yeah. Because I was like, no one's gonna. Guess no one's that. gonna, unless they've ever yeah. had one conversation. Yeah, with you. I was gonna say one conversation. <laughs> and there was no numbers or like, you know, this was this was telnet days. Yeah. These were not. Nobody was hacking anything. Um, I'm gonna just read this quote because it is one of my favorite quotes. I've talked. We've talked about it a bunch. But why does anyone do the things they do? Why do I sell insurance? Why does this woman collect dolls? What was it about her life? Was it one specific moment where she was like, I know, dolls. His delivery on that is so good. Was it a whole series of things starting when he parented? uh, uh, Oh, my God. When his parents and somehow combined in such a way that in the end he had no she had no choice but to be a doll collector. I mistyped some of those things in the middle. The predestined your free wall comes in there. That conversation they have, like, be honest, Kali, doesn't that propane tank bear more than a slight <laughs> resemblance to yes. a fat little white Nazi stormtrooper? And she goes, Mulder, the human mind naturally seeks out meaningful patterns and configurations and things that don't inher- inherently have any. Given the suggestion of a particular image, you couldn't help but see that shape somewhere. If that tank weren't there, you'd see it in a rock or a tree. Did you answer my question? Yes, it looks like a fat little white Nazi stormtrooper. And that also gets a little bit to how you put meaning on things yeah. that don't necessarily have meaning and you put patterns on things. But to me, that doesn't mean that they don't mean anything. Right. Now, they do have meaning because you've given them meaning. And it was cut brilliantly because you couldn't see exactly what they were talking about. It's far about away a little until bit. Until that moment where she goes, did you answer my question? I can't, it was right in that yeah. moment. Yeah, and it goes and to the thing. Oh, wait, yeah, that's genius. Yeah, and it does, it's clearly it, something Darren Morgan saw and was like, that looks like a fat Nazi. Like a fat, yeah. I got to put that in somewhere because they didn't, make that i think that was what that's, a real propane tank personality looks like. man that's writing with yeah he clearly poured himself into the script there's like a lot of little moments like that yeah. big and small that it's just is like infused with individuality i hope you can interview him that would be amazing i mean your interview with glenn was awesome uh i really want to interview glenn again actually he too. was so cool i was like after that between Emily and Glenn, I was like, it's, I can't. <laughs> this show is. I mean, oh, I don't thank worry, you. I want to. I want to get Glenn again and 
I've been emailing with him. He's going to do it again. Um, I might wait till season four. I've also been emailing with James Wong. He mm-hmm. wants to do it. He's he's busy right now, but I'm gonna hopefully get Darren Morgan. Holy shit! Oh, uh, I thought this was funny. Yeah, uh, uh, where uh, Mulder goes. That's a hit, and he looks at him, and he's like, "A hit is whatever." Yeah. And I was like, "Mulder's such a fucking nerd." He's, he's a like, loser. "He's such a loser." Yeah. He's like using these like he'd read them somewhere, and now he's using them. But then, even that, I thought that was a weird way to put it. But then that leads to Scully's amazing line with that: "There are hits and there are misses, and then there are misses." I mean, what a perfect, what a perfect line. Um. Uh, what? Uh, every scene is. Uh, Oh, he says, I'm not, I'm, I never have, I'm not sure you're supposed to. That's when he's talking about right. whether you're supposed to get used to, to death, right? Um, I know it sounds crazy, but I promise you it's true. I was a bigger fan of the big bopper than Buddy Holly. And then Scully looks at him and is like, where are the bodies? Like, she's just fucking sick of it. It's such a funny, he just keeps, like, she's like, all right, enough. Uh, it, their arcs are so good because Mulder is more enamored with him and then slowly gets less, and yeah. she's, like, enough with this fucking guy and just kind of falls in love with him as the episode and goes. And she's like, how do you not know where the body is? And then it's I can't right see the, the forest for the trees. Forest for, oh. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's a great shot, on. too. There's also, the Chantilly Lace. Chantilly Lace, you know what I like. So good. Uh, oh, yeah, that's another it's coincidence, another, right? another coincidence. I mean, but they're not. That's the but thing that the show is basically saying to you. They're not. They're clearly none of them are. Everything is. Yeah. He is the center of the universe. Everything seems to yeah. to revolve around him in that, at least the story universe, because it all comes back to him. Meaning, yeah. go, like I said, going to the hotel, which he has no control over, apparently. No, but it's like the universe is yeah. conspiring to do this, which, I mean, if you think about it, every script obviously has a clear God and, you know, has created this universe. And Signs, the movie Signs, mm-hmm. is... Um, I really like the movie until the end, and this is why I don't like that movie. I don't like that movie because it's obviously very contrived and they use that structure to prove the existence of a God. Mm-hmm. Where to me, it doesn't do that because it's clearly... We all know someone wrote it, right? right. And so then someone wrote it so it's just they wrote it so that it seems like obviously there's a god for this universe and that's uh m night and to me that's the wrong way to comment on it and this one is the right way to comment on it where it's like yeah it's sort of contrived and that's sort of the nature of telling a story is that it's contrived but but it also comments on uh, that and beyond storytelling into our lives too you know well and i think it's another it's a I don't know if it's a comment, but it's certainly a piece of evidence that you watch things to care about characters. Like sometimes plot can get in the way and distract you when it doesn't work, but nobody ever, other than maybe Back to the Future, nobody thinks about like, the plot of that movie was so great. Yeah, And it's always about the characters. Like I I saw J.J. Star Trek five times in the theater. Loved it. I'm not sure the story made sense. I mean, you talk about crazy coincidences when they run into um, fucking Scotty. Yeah. I was like, oh, this is too much of a coincidence. But you're okay because everybody's great in it. I just thought he had such a good handle in that one anyway on the characters. Yeah. And that's a hard thing to do. Yeah. Like the first 10 minutes of the movie are some of the most emotional sort of scenes I've seen in oh yeah and when Kirk's dad dies that's that's what I'm saying the whole that's Chris Hemsworth yeah and there's a Pakistani actor and I I think his name is Farhan something yeah the the he's the captain yeah and he I heard I was like that is a specifically Pakistani accent 
And uh, he's like this Pakistani actor. He's also the bad guy in Iron Man 2, I believe. Right. Or no, Iron Man, the first Iron Man. He's, uh, he was, I thought he was supposed to be named Puri um, for Steve. This guy, Steve Puri, used to work at Bad Robot and then worked with me at Fox for a while. And I think they might have changed his name, the character's name. Yeah. Actually. But um, that guy's really good. Oh, another good moment. Don't you have Crime Labs that analyze the things for you? Yes. <laughs> yes, we do. Yes, we do. So funny. And another line where, he, where, he, where Clyde Bruckman says, just more insight into his character, which I know you hate. <laughs> Such a great, like, every line is perfect. Um, the banana cream pie, coconut cream pie conversation. Yeah. I think about that at least once a week, and I have for the last, you know, 10 years of my life. Like, Why do so you think it was a pie? I mean, why? I mean, I just wondered. Was it? It was there meant to be some sort of comedic? I just think it's such an odd. It's such a choice. specific thing. It's like vaudeville. Well, you know, Clyde Bruckman was a writer for Buster Keaton. A lot of these characters ah. are from like vaudeville era and oh, silent era actors, writers, oh, comedians. A lot of them are named after comedians. So like having a pie, like that's yeah, a very that like now makes some sense. Old school, you know, yeah, pie in the face kind of thing. Um, yeah. Huh. I didn't realize that, that that's where the name cream. came from. Yeah. Who cares? Uh, yeah, the banana cream. It's so funny. Oh, P.S. Say hi to the FBI agents. Hi. hi. <laughs> <laughs> oh, when he gets the thing, who's it from? The killer. <laughs> oh, my God. So many, so many good. I'm going to watch it again. Tonight. I see our end. We end up in bed together. I see us quite clearly in bed together. You're holding my hand very gently, and you're looking at me with such compassion. And I feel tears is streaming. It's just a very special moment neither of us will ever forget. Mr. Bruckman, there are hits and there are misses. And then there are misses. I just call them as I see them. And she smiles after that. Makes yeah. me cry. I don't know why. Whenever she, when she smiles after that, <laughs> it makes me cry. It's just emotional. It's a great delivery for, for on both of them. And you know, he knows he's going to die. Yeah. And it's it's also just... He knows. And he knows that she's going to be very affected by it. Their connection is... There's so there were two more scenes. The the first cut and Darren Morgan got to edit the episode, which mm -hmm. is very rare. It was ten minutes long and they lost two scenes of Clyde Bruckman and Scully together. Oh, that were no just way. like not story scenes, just them hanging out scenes. Ah. And, uh, I sure. wonder why can't they sort of release that? I feel like you know, X great it's not even out on Blu ray yet. I just it's feel not. like I think they were working on it maybe. I think they, I think they are. are we, but are they? We yeah. I don't know. Uh, they are because in company. Germany they started airing them in Oh in H D, yeah. yeah. I heard about that. I heard about yeah. that. Yeah. But they'd have to do some real because it was it was uh I don't think the aspect rate. I mean, they shot it. They um, did it would shoot be like it. Star Trek. It would be like the what they did with the. Uh, but they didn't. They don't lose. Apparently, there's just more information. It's right. not like they cut the top and the bottom off, which they do a lot. With this one, it's actually wider. You see more. I've seen like stills. Right. So they did. I don't know much about film and you know, aspect ratios and stuff. I just, I just don't know that much about it. But. Um, you just call them as you see them. I just call them like I see them. You know. Um, I, and that scene, the two when the two titans finally meet, the two si real psychics meet in that room right before he kills the other one. That's a great scene with, when he tells him he's a homicidal maniac. Yeah. That guy's really, really good in it. And it's like a weird breakthrough for him where he's like finally taking a little bit of ownership of the stuff he's been doing, right? Locus. Locus of control. Yeah, I read a lot about it. And uh, they found that... Between, I think, there's a specific age when kids start getting it. And then 
well, at a certain age, people will start losing it. So it's just something to be aware of. I just think it makes you... I know it seems tempting to blame outside stuff or mm-hmm. shit, bad shit that's happening to you, but I just honestly feel a lot more centered and a lot better if I can find a way to f- find uh, reasons within myself for why ha- for, for how things happen. I think there's probably a balance to yes. be had for Locutus. Sure, <laughs> Locutus. Um that thing where he says it's not the way it's supposed to happen. Uh, I thought that his performance was really good. Remains of her remains. I really like that quote what too. In the that letter from? that they wrote for like, hey, this is the dog, and please take oh, yes, care of yes, the yes, remains yes. of her remains because the dog's been right. fucking eating, eating her. Him. He's hungry. Regardless of his actions last night, which you can't really blame right. him for. Ah, <laughs> uh, oh, Lauren Hardy at the end, and they're the skeletons. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's uh, he's more oh, than there's yeah. the vaudeville. Interesting, I never even thought about that connection too. Yeah, right. The sort of that I think he liked the stuff. He was into it. But he to like it and to make it actually connect is is are two different things. Yeah, very different. And that's what's so impressive about it. But and then uh, she throws the phone. She's gonna call. And then yeah, you think phone. she's gonna call and she just throws the phone. Great. Um, Morgan wanted to shake up Mulder's image to make him look slightly ridiculous. He says Mulder views Brockman only as a phenomenon and not as a person. To counter this, Morgan wrote Scully to see Brockman not as a psychic, but as a human. That's really interesting, and that really gets to um, how these two, uh, uh, how they function in X-Files a yeah. lot, right? Because a lot of times Mulder's like, let's just get the truth. That's what matters. And she's like, well, wait and see. You know, People are going to die if you get this out there. Like, right. uh, F.M. Asculata yeah, was a lot right. about I just, that. I just heard the episode. Awesome. Um it's like, I don't know. It's it's so like intimidating for me to talk about some of these. I get scared, but then I'm like, well, I'm just going to talk about them. I'm not going to try and do the episodes that's, justice. But I, I think can't that's do good. that. I, I have the like I said at the beginning. I have the same issue, and I think we just it to talk about how it makes you feel is more important than parsing it to see like some of them what makes them work as plots, what's interesting, yeah. where their faults are. Yeah, because it's actually fault. I mean, I hate to say say faultless. Episode. I like mean, it's so perfect. It's also that thing of like when you see something that's so beautifully constructed, that also makes me cry sometimes. Yeah. Like when I was in, um, I saw the statue of David, right? Michelangelo's mm-hmm. David. And I don't know anything about art, but I saw it and I like s- s- almost started crying. Like when you just see something, it like hi- so perfect, it hits you in like a weird part of your brain i don't know what it is i don't know anything about art i just saw this under the lights and it like fucking made me cry and when i watch this episode just the perfection of it kind of makes me cry a little bit like it just it's so well done not a syllable is wasted and just from a purely technical standpoint what he's done so many themes it feels way longer than it really Mm -hmm. is in a good way feels like so much happens in it when you think about it the plot there's almost no plot in this one there's 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 the trope of the serial killer. Yeah. There's the... And the not much screen time to that no, either. And the idea of a clue, like the missing eyes, the the pattern of <laughs> fortune tellers. Like, it's about <laughs> a bunch of stuff. There's cops. There's stuff. Yeah. But it's about... It's the character. Yeah. That's it. It's the show about Clyde Bruckman. Yeah. And that is so unusual for the format of this show, but of any TV show, I said, as I was saying, to use use it as a platform to tell a much more sophisticated work of art. I mean, I know it's like <laughs> yeah, about, it really about something deep. I mean, yeah. it's, TV is, I guess at the time, 
I don't know. I, like I said, I wasn't watching all that much, but no, it, this I was saw this and I thought, okay, very special. Something else is. Um, Stupendous Yappy was played by Jap Broker, was David Duchovny's stand-in. Um, Clyde Brockman was a screenwriter for Buster Keaton and Harold Lloyd, and he committed suicide. That a writer did. Uh, they had an edit where after, you know, Yappy leaves and uh, Scully uh, Scully goes, well, this case is as good as solved, Mulder, right? There's more with that where then uh, they cut it out at the end, but Mulder goes, I've worked with a lot of psychic detectives. They've all been more pathetic than prophetic, but I know there's someone out there, someone who possesses the ability to see who can be used in such a way that'll change the nature of criminal investigations for... And then Scully's laughing and she's like, well, I can dream, can't I? And Scully goes, don't worry, Mulder, someday your psychic will come. And that's hmm. in the first... I'm okay without that. Yeah, that's a little... It's a little direct. Although more pathetic than prophetic is pretty good. Yeah, he's an amazing writer. He's an amazing writer. Um, yeah, oh, this is another... I, I think this is from the same AV Club thing where he says, some of these gags fulfill thematic purpose, some to reward us for paying attention... But the point here isn't that coincidence and happenstance add together to create a larger meaning. The point is that the net of connections are the meaning. And that's what we've talked about a, a lot here, too. Uh, if Zach Hanlon is listening, you're better at this <laughs> than me. So, no. you're amazing. It's, he's also, like, you know, he's he's had time to sit down and think about it. And um, years and years and years, you know. Like, it's okay. it's hard to really get into... You know, you want to do this work of art justice, and you can't really aim for that, and you can't, I guess you can't do that. All you could do is talk about how it's affected you and what you got from it and say that it fucking means a lot to you. And, you know, obviously movies and TV are something that's very important to both of us. Yeah. We both sort of have devoted our lives to this thing where that, that might seem to be a little trivial and a little surface, but then... Things like this is why I'm like, oh, I feel so, so lucky to work in the same world. And I know it's very removed. What I do is very different from a, this. No, but it, it is to have an impact. I mean, it, it's like hearing, as I'm sure you probably have at some point, hear people's, you know, whether it's that you made them laugh, whether it's that, you know, whatever the show was or the, or the, or the act was or something that to see and to feel the effect that it has on someone else's life, even though, you know, ephemeral or temporary yeah. in a moment that actually made them feel better is yeah. humongous. I mean, I can only imagine for you as a performer what that's like, but just, you know, film for me and, and, and sort of, you know, looking at my job as, as helping both film, mainly filmmakers get their, films through the machine you know to get out there to the world in a way that 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 you know is the film that they wanted to make and and yeah uh, uh, un, unharassed and and as unadulterated as possible is their vision which whether it's something escapist whether it's something um you know more uh, purposefully profound it's like that's incredible that's art i mean that's it, it's pop art it's commercial art yeah it's, it's filmmaking is a massive collaborative medium of you know hundreds and hundreds of people oh working God. on it and lots and lots of decisions but um ultimately it's this organic thing and and it has to feel effortless when it's good you get up in the morning i mean that's what it does like i'm gonna try to make something great 
Yeah. You know, or I want to try to help someone make something great. Yeah. And and that's going to ultimately affect people, even if they eventually only see it on HBO. Yeah. And that's <laughs> Which why happens a lot. Yes. People love the Wolverine. I, I, w- there's always that run where it's you, on all like, the time. You, it's on all the time. And everyone's like, I saw the Wolverine finally. It's I was like, Wait, you didn't go yeah. to the uh, theater? And they're like, it was pretty good. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Great. But exactly. I mean, that's what this episode is. It's like, it's that meaning, right? You try and do the best you can and you, you, you try and make the world slightly better or bring some good into the world. And for Clyde, when he did that, his time was done and he yeah. checked out, you know. Um, thank you so much for coming no, and talking amazing. about this. This was Thank you so much for having um, me. I hope we did it uh, <laughs> somewhat justice. I don't I mean, you know, I, I I think this it's so good that I think it means different things to different people. So they'll hopefully I think the best we can do is convey what it means to us. I hope we did that. Um, I'm sure Reddit will let us know. Reddit will let us know. Uh Thank you so much for coming, Steve. I, uh, thank you for having me. Appreciate oh, it. Oh, uh, what's your Twitter? Steve Asbell? Uh, at Steve Asbell, but I, I, don't, Steve I have Asbell. like a. You don't tweet very much. I don't tweet. I, I I'm I tweet a little bit, but I'm not. I guess I'm not funny enough. But you're I, not like I, a Twitter person. You don't. I, I'm you on know. to follow. I mean, there's so many funny, great, unknown people that, yeah. and there's so many amazing like female comedians, especially that I've discovered yeah. through friends. Yeah. Um, that are genius. I mean, they're. I so think it's good because for the stand-up scene, it's predominantly male unfortunately and a lot yeah. of it is that it's a kind of a boys club yeah. and you oh, know rape jokes and stuff and it's alienating to women in a lot of ways um and it's it kind that kind of sucks but on twitter you don't have to deal with fucking assholes right um well, i guess you do but just do not in the same yeah not in the not same in the way same you're way. not in a room with them um, uh, thanks for coming thank you all right so that was the end of the conversation with steve asbell now um a little bit of an interview with Jack Black about his experiences working on DPO. Do, 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 do. That's it. That <laughs> 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 you're really good at that. I still remember, yeah. So uh, Jack Black is here, dude. Thanks so much for doing this. My pleasure, Camille. Uh, we talked about this when you did the Indoor Kids to mm. promote Festival Supreme, mm-hmm. and I said I was doing an X Files podcast, and mm-hmm. you said, "Let me know when you get to DPO." Yeah. And then I emailed you, and here we are. Uh, first of all, I really liked the episode, and you're really great in it. Yeah. Is the episode called DPL? I forgot about that. It's called DPO, and it's the oh, initials DPO. of uh, Giovanni Rubisi's initials that he puts in the arcade machine that you that you work at. Right. And he's like the best at it. And yeah. your name? Do you remember your character's name? No. Zero. Oh yes, zero. <laughs> Yeah. Um, w- were you a fan of the show before or after? You know, I had not been keeping up with the uh, with the legendary show at the time, but uh, I was aware, obviously, of the zeitgeist. Everybody loved X Files, and I had watched a couple episodes, but I didn't get sucked in completely to to the uh, the world. And then you just like audition for it and stuff. Yeah, went on on the audition. I think it was like ninety five. Yeah. And. Um, and got the part. Did I audition for that, or did they just offer it up? I can't remember. Um, what What have you done prior to this? Prior to that, you did a never uh, never ending story. Yeah, never ending story part three. Part three. That's right. I also did Bob Roberts, which was my first film, and that was like a, uh, uh, like the thing that got me, um, my first agent and everything, um, and. 
what else? I, I had already started Tenacious D playing live. Oh, okay. Around town. And, but uh, this before all the HBO yeah, stuff. This is, yeah, this is pre, pre-Super Juice. So yeah, they wouldn't have just offered it to me. I had to go in an audition, but I don't really remember the audition. But I do remember really wanting to be the dude that Giovanni played. The lightning guy. Yeah, lightning guy is such a cooler <laughs> part. You want to be the one with superpowers. If someone's got superpowers, that's a part you want to play. Yeah, you don't want to be the, the, the friend. Who's Especially gonna... a dark, brooding superpower guy. <laughs> There's nothing sexier. Yeah, you get laid so much. And so I just had to be the wimpy friend who gets fried. But I thought it was a cool, you know, honestly, you brought so much life to the role because that part is a guy, it's a tough part because it's a guy you like Giovanni Rubisi, but you're also terrified of him, kind of. Right. And you kind of want to set him straight, but you kind of don't because you don't want him to turn on you. Right. Um, it seems like, uh, uh, was it like intimidating doing the show or, or did you and Giovanni become friends? We hit it off pretty good. He's, he's a big music guy and he uh, had his uh, classical guitar there and um, we were just sort of like playing... Uh, different jams that we were into and he was really into this classic flamenco guitarist i can't imagine him i can't remember who it was the guy that he was obsessed with but he's trying to learn that uh that thing and i was pretty impressed with his chops um and yeah but mostly i was just jealous of him and it was all smiles until he turned his back and then i wished him (laughs) ill so that i could steal his part and all of his thunder literal thunder literal and then uh, you have a great death scene in that. Do you remember that? When you come out and you're like, hey, I didn't tell him. I didn't tell him. And then yeah. you just get fucking zapped. Yeah. And then all my quarters fall to the yeah. ground. Yeah. yeah like, I remember. It, it's awesome because in video games, when someone dies, their quarters fall out. So it was like that kind of reference. <laughs> I do remember wishing I had one more take, though, on my death scene. Because I think my, my death yell might have been a little lame. No, it wasn't. It was a little wimpy. <laughs> It's hard to have, like, a badass death yell. You know who's going to have the badass death yell? The guy who has lightning powers. Right. His best friend. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> no. It called for a little wimpiness. Um, I was doing, doing as it was written. So you didn't get a lot of, like, cracks at it? Uh, it seemed like we were moving pretty fast. Yeah. You don't want to be the squeaky wheel either. Oh, Excuse yeah. Me, I just love one more take. You <laughs> want to do, oh, you got you got what you need? Okay, cool. Yeah. I'm low maintenance. Exactly. I'd like to work oh, some you more. Need, you need one more? You need another one? Yeah. Because when you know, when you're starting out, you don't want to develop a reputation for being difficult. No, but it's also, you know, you're the guy that cares. A lot of people are like, all right, let's 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 go. But oh, yeah. No, I'd go all night on that death rattle if they let me. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, what was it like working on the show? Do you remember, like, working with David Duchovny? Or Q- I remember Anderson? it was in a gorgeous part of the country. It was in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, I think we were in Seattle. I think we were shooting up in Seattle. Is that right? It was in Canada, Vancouver. Oh, it was in Vancouver. Yes. Right. Same thing. It was right same across thing. the board. Yeah. And I had a bitchin' rental car. It was a convertible Volkswagen. And uh, I was zipping around town, and the sky was so gorgeous with the cumulus clouds. Uh, with the sun bursting through uh, Vancouver. Those sweet times. And um, my dad came to visit on the set, I remember. Oh, really? Yeah, I was pretty proud because he lives in uh, Washington State. Okay. So it was a quick hop, skip, and a jump over to visit Vancouver. Um, And I remember um, Duchovny was really cool. I 
think that he had seen Tenacious D at Largo or something because he was being extra nice to me. I was like, wow. And um, the lady, what was Jillian it? Anderson? Jillian, yeah, she didn't really care uh, that I existed. Really? <laughs> but I definitely had a little bit of a crush on her at the time. I was like, wow, Jillian. Maybe she read that. Maybe you came Maybe, on too yeah, strong. Maybe, yeah, I might have been a little creepy. Yeah, you came on too strong in the beginning. Yeah, a little creepy, a little greasy. But, um, yeah, Duchovny was like, yeah, man. Uh, yeah, you know Bob Odenkirk. I, I know Bob. We go, we play basketball all the time over at... Uh, Gary Shandling's place. Gary Shandling's, man. You should come by. And I was like, yeah, well, obviously I would if anyone ever invited me. And he's like, well, I can't invite you. It's not my house. But, you know, I'm sure if you ever see Shandling, just tell him that you want, you want in on that action. I was like, yeah, man. It never did happen. I never got invited to To this day? To this day, I still have not played basketball with, with Shandling and Duchovny and Bob Odenkirk and their special sweet clique of basketball playing superstars. That is one of those like legendary Hollywood things, the Gary Shandling. one of those where I think I could probably do all right in that game. Yeah. But how good can they be? Gary <laughs> Shandling? <laughs> Gary Shandling. What's his vertical? <laughs> I bet Duchovny's pretty good. Duchovny seems pretty athletic. Yeah. Out of the three of those guys, he's definitely got to be the MVP. Yeah, if, if you know, George Clooney plays, he's, I know, a big basketball guy. He does have a reputation. Yeah. Um, so how was it? Was it like a fun experience doing it? Was it a lot of work? You thought nothing of it? It was a sweet gig, you know. It was definitely a Rolls Royce. I mean, when, the, when the big gigs come to town, yeah, it was, it was, I was pretty stoked to have it. It was a pretty big show at that time. Season three is when it really, really takes off. So you were in like right when it becomes like a huge, goes from a cult hit to a mainstream show. Yeah. Did you get recognized from it and stuff at all? I did get a little love on the streets. A little, a little X-Files uh, um, recognition. Yeah. But I didn't get a girlfriend from it or anything, but I definitely <laughs> I got a little, uh, a little nods of the head here and there. <laughs> like, hey, uh, I liked you. A bit of a wimpy death... Death rattle. That but. was the thing. If I had been the <laughs> Thunder Boy, I would have been getting all kinds of action. Yeah, I'm sure he did. Did you stay? Did you stay uh, in touch with Giovanni Rubisi? No, and in fact, I've never stayed in touch with anyone that I've ever worked with. It's a weird little thing. It just goes away. You no, like, we finish the job. We go our separate ways. Lose my phone number. Power hug. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I'm just very antisocial, I guess. But you know, when I see him, we will always share our Xbox. Xbox. X-Files moments. Yeah. You know, there's a knowing eye contact when I see him. Like, yeah. We, hey. we were kind of brothers. You killed That me. never talked to each other. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, uh, and then did you ever get into the show at all? Uh, nope. You then, never did? No, I never dipped in, which is a very weird thing to, to admit on your show right now. No, it's good. It's okay. Yeah, because everyone I have on the show... Uh, loves the show. So yeah. this is, you're the first one who doesn't well, know the show. There it is. I'm <laughs> the guy. Who, yeah. I don't know why. I just, I never, uh, I never got, uh, it never got, got its hooks into me. It's a really, really good show. But you know, Giovanni Rubisi, you should interview him too. He's an interesting dude. He, uh, he's a kick-ass actor, as yeah. you know. Flamenco Played a lightning player. boy like a, like a monster. A flamenco guitar, your face off. Uh, but also, he took a break from acting, I remember a few years back, just because he wanted to focus on uh, computer animation, took like a two-year course. And <laughs> what's that computer program that's... Uh, Flash? No. It's a special animation that, that, like the ones they use over at Pixar, that you have to be a super 
Super genius. <sighs> what is it called? Atari? No. <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> Doesn't matter. He's one of those guys. Um, yeah, like, I mean, I really don't know him. I'm looking to see uh, what questions people have asked, and I feel like most of them we You got uh, some questions there? Yeah, people wanted to know, you know, I have questions hear them for all. you. People asked what your favorite episode was, oh, and I think you can name one. That's trouble. Yeah. Can you name I'm one? Go with Lightning Boy. Yeah, what's this one called? D- I told you at the beginning of this episode. I believe it's DOS. <laughs> DOS? <laughs> <laughs> nope. <laughs> uh, do you remember your character's name? Well, yeah, I'm a Spider. <laughs> no, 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 no. I that that's seriously zero. Zero. Got it. That's right. That's right. So you didn't really connect with Jillian, no. but you had a nice nice time with Duchovny a little bit. Yeah, me and Duchov were bros. Um, cool. Yeah, sure. Have you seen your episode, DPO? I've seen all of my things. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it's part of the job. Is I know. Watch the thing, see what you did well, and see what needs improvement. I like that because this is interesting because we're doing Silicon Valley right now. Yeah. And there's certain people like Zach Woods, who's on the show, who's amazing on the show. Yeah has only watched the episodes that we showed at the premiere. He has not watched wow, anything else. Right. He says he'll watch it when the show is canceled. He'll watch yeah. it all. <laughs> and then Martin Starr sort of the same way. He watches it, but not then. Yeah. But I'll go look at the monitor between takes and stuff. Yeah. And, uh, so you like going to see and stuff. Well, different. I, I know where they're coming from. Like, uh, I'm doing a show on HBO right now. Yeah. And I, I don't really want to watch myself... Now either I yeah, kind of I I, I uh, uh, yeah I don't want it to affect the way that I'm doing when I'm in the middle of it but um I like to watch things after they've been released yeah and then watch it alone that's my thing I watch alone I hate watching myself with other people around watching me watch me yeah um very self conscious yeah people will do I need that. to cringe in the dark by myself and go god why am i so shitty <laughs> that's exactly how i am yeah. i used to like uh get super drunk before i'd watch myself and then i'd be like oh i wasn't so bad Let and then tell it you took something, a while. Though, your show is my favorite show i love what's it called <laughs> silicone valley dpo dpo uh, <laughs> Yeah, Silicon Valley. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I'm glad you like the show. And I love your show, Brink, is going to be You've a really good show. You've just gotten a little show. taste. You saw the pilot, right? I saw the pilot and I've read like yeah. uh, the first eight episodes. No, it was great. Um, anyway, well, thank you so much Thanks, for doing man. this. I um, hope I shined a little extra light on the, no, the mystery. It's great, yeah. On the files. You the really, deep, you the really helped musties. us out. Do you, oh, do you remember the director, Kim Manners? He's passed away since. No, has he died? Yeah. No. But you know, fun Fun fact, trivial fact. Yeah. Uh, the second movie I ever did, or was it the third? One of my early movies I did was a rollerblading film called uh, Airborne. And um, it was directed by a dude who ended up being like a major X-Files director. And he directed the X-Files movie. Rob Bowman? It's Rob Bowman. I was about to say it. Yeah. I'm glad you remembered it before <laughs> me. Yeah, Rob Bowman. Yeah. <laughs> so I already knew Rob Bowman. He didn't direct uh, my episode. As no, you but know, was but, he around? Uh, no, but his legend was, was around. Yeah, I he's smell really him. good. And yeah. Kim Manners is really good. And Kim Manners, I think, went on to work with Vince Gilligan a lot and right. Breaking Bad and stuff like that. Hello. Yeah. 
pretty good. That but was Vince good. Gilligan never had anything to do with the X Files, did he? He did. Oh, he did. Was he one of the writers? Yeah, he starts Holy up. Crap. Yeah, he becomes a pretty major part of the show, and then half of that crew goes on to do uh, Breaking Bad. No crap. Bunch of X Files people. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Um, well, thank you so much. Again. There's a long little break there in between X Files and Breaking Bad, though. There's a good ten years off in the between there. Yeah, but he they came up with been, something pretty good, they right? They must have stuck together. Like they must have still remained friends. Like had poker night or something with all his old X Files buddies. That's really interesting because I should find out because X Files gets canceled like 2000, somewhere around that. For sure, they all had a, a lot of other different jobs between end yeah. of X Files and beginning. Of I know Breaking some of those Bad. guys went on to make Homeland. Yeah, they created Homeland. So, but uh, Gilligan wanted to get that sweet X X Files vibe back again. Yeah, and he did. It kind of feels uh, Breaking Bad feels a little bit like the X Files too. Shoot, dude, man, did you watch Breaking Bad? I did. I watched every episode. They got the hooks in. Yeah, it's a good show. Mm, Damn good Uh, show. All right, thanks so much, Jack. But I mean, X Files. (laughs) Correct me if I'm wrong. Yes, didn't really have that overall arc where it was like. This whole thing ties together in one big story. It, it's it, more episodic. It's like now it's an alien. Now it's a fire-breathing devil yeah. boy. <laughs> now it's every episode had a different like. Uh, but there was an alien story that like every fifth episode was like part of the big story. So in a season right. of twenty-four, there were yeah, like yeah. five or six episodes that were like a big story, and right. then these little ones. So yours was like a one-off, but yours comes right after, like a three-part. Story yeah. that then continues on right. five episodes okay. later. I'm gonna put it in my queue. It's a good. It's right after, but and we, first we got to finish uh, Fargo. Been watching the Fargo TV show. I haven't. Is it good? It's damn good. It you know it was damn good until the spoiler that I'm not gonna tell you. I wish you had seen it so we could talk about the thing that I hate. Is it a major character goes away? No, it's something that happens that kind of ruins the reality for me. Oh, it's a little magical. Did you ever see that movie Magnolia? Yes. Did you, were you one of the people that liked it when the frogs hit the windshield? Well, I liked it because they set it up because in the beginning they said the three crazy things that happened. Right. So I was kind of looking for something crazy, but I understand why you would not be excited about it. Well, it's just my personality type. I need things to track. Whenever something gets super coincidental and no, that's the point is that life has weird coincidence. Yeah. I got mad. Yeah. A similar thing happened. In, but I'm okay. dying to get to the next episode my to see if it really is just going to be like that. My friend's dad used to be in the army and he was watching Predator and he just thought it was like a war movie. <laughs> and when the alien shows up, he got really angry. He was like, what is this? Oh, well, I couldn't agree <laughs> less with him on that one. I was down with that. <laughs> yeah, but you knew going in yeah. there's going to be like a human hunting alien, right? But was your friend's dad, was he a, a, a vet? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So what, Yeah, he had like serious like reasons to he be mad. He was like, we didn't, I mean, you know, you don't need to add right, stuff now to make it more horrific. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's already pretty hard. You don't know what I've seen, yeah. <laughs> the things I've seen. Yeah. Um, cool. All right, thanks so much, dude. Thanks, brother, man. All right, great guy, right? He's awesome, the best. Um, again, subscribe to us on iTunes uh, at X-Files Files at Kumail N um, slash X-Files Files on Reddit, the X-Files Files at gmail.com. And, um, you know, next week, look forward to a conversation with uh, Darren Morgan. Thanks for listening. Feral Eye.
Audio. Hi, I'm Kelsey. I'm Kimmy. And we're the hosts of Talk 30 Rock to Me. Do you crave cheese late at night? Do you have lots of thoughts on your mind grapes? Do you think a rape whistle can double as an accessory? Do you miss 30 Rock? We sure do. We miss it so much, we started a podcast about it. New episodes every Tuesday. Subscribe today.